What's up, guys? Before we get going today, just wanted to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. They're the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has been tested and refined through years of experience and wisdom that has helped propel Skybox to the top of their industry. You need to go check these guys out. They crushed it at the Masters a couple weekends ago. They had picks up this weekend at the RBC Heritage. These guys are crushing it just because March Madness is over. Don't wait till football to kind of get your degenerate stuff in or wait for that to kick back up. There's NASCAR on, there's golf on, there's baseball over-unders, there's baseball games. They have the content for you, and they have a package that'll fit your needs. You can do a daily pass for 10 bucks. So if you just want to try these dudes out for a day, you pay 10 bucks with my promo code RIPPY, that's just 8 bucks because you get 20% off. Not a math guy, so pretty sure that's right, but not positive. And you can just test out their picks for a day. But I would recommend going with the full year membership. But if you don't want that, you could try weekly packages. They're sports-centric. You could just try a weekly membership. You could do a weekly MLB package, monthly MLB package, one week all sports, four weeks all sports. Point being, they have a package for you. If you just want it for a single golf tournament, they offer that. But I would go with the year-long pass because it's going to pay for itself back and then some. You're basically guaranteeing yourself profit. So go check these guys out, skyboxsportspicks.com. And go use my promo code for 20% off. Here's a little tease, or what we call in the biz, a teaser. Um, We are having the NASCAR guy on later this week, uh, probably a Tuesday or Wednesday show. And I'm going to have him explain to me how to handicap NASCAR and the intricacies of NASCAR like I'm four years old. So that'll be fun, having him on later this week. I'm fascinated by his Twitter. If you need to check them out, Skybox Sports Picks at, uh, at Skybox Sports Picks on Twitter, I should say. And then that's at Skybox NASCAR. Their NASCAR wing has their own social media account. I'm fascinated by it. Um, so hopefully you guys will enjoy it and learn more. As for today, Colin and I will get into all kinds of stuff. But before that, I also got to remind you, podcast brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. If you go to the grill corner last week and you're still going to Kroger for your meat, I don't know what to tell you. Greg's awesome. He knows the inside and outs of everything as it relates to your grilling needs. And LB's is absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. If you've listened to this podcast for any number of uh, times, you know what Greg's about. You know what LB's is about. Go check them out. If you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter, you're getting deals. We had a $10 prime strip deal over the weekend. You can walk in and show you're a subscriber to the Rippy Rights newsletter. And it's 10, 16 ounce prime strip for 10 bucks. Greg's been giving out sausage in the past. We'll have a new deal this week. Uh, some rumors about grill packs uh, being either free or discounted. We've still got that in the works. Point being, if you subscribe to my newsletter, you're getting free meat deals. Go check them out. LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. All you have to do is go to rippyrights.substack.com. All that link is in my bio and any of my social media as well. And put in your email and you'll get awesome content, immature jokes, all kinds of stuff, and free meets. Check them out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. This is our normal Sunday Megapod. Colin and I got into all kinds of topics, namely the head-scratching and logic-defying decision Mike Bianco made to cost Ole Miss the series against Mississippi State. Got into a number of topics regarding the bullpen, lineup construction, the offense, and again, how to make a case for what happened today. We couldn't do it, but uh, we also took your questions uh, that I put out on social media asking for. Afterwards, questions, comments. Anyway, it's a packed show as it always is. This is a great conversation. Buckle up. 
Let's go. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up? Happy Sunday. I am Brian Scott Rippy. On the other end of the line, as he always is, is Colin Brister. Appreciate you tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. It is our usual Sunday night megapod recapping Ole Miss's series loss to Mississippi State. Uh, decisions were made. <laughs> um, balls were hit. There was a ton to get into this weekend. Um, some good, some not so good. It was a, uh, you know, maybe it's just this way with most SEC series, but I feel like the last two weekends, just from a series standpoint, have just felt like absolute marathons. And I guess that stems from the crazy Sunday game with Arkansas and then you know, the high for Ole Miss with Doug's start and then the low of the sixth inning today. Uh, without, without, we can get into that too in a minute, but uh, I'm just rambling here. What's up? Um, Taylor Broadway over the past three series has thrown in games where Ole Miss was up six, Ole Miss was up seven, and Ole Miss was down three. That is – you know what? People are all about diversity nowadays, and I call that diversity. You know, that's kind of my uh, – that was kind of my Drew McDaniel theory. It's uh, – and it proved, proved to be true. You know, if you move him to the weekend, you know, maybe it gives Mike a little more clarity on how to use him by just using him as a starter because he was very clearly not being used in the correct – I should say correct – the situations to drive the most value out of talent. And uh, that was <clears> – <throat> excuse me. That was kind of the same deal, uh, I guess, with Broadway, as you just pointed out. Yeah, just – Unbelievable. We'll, we'll get to it. I, I, I look. This we're, we're what time is it? Five thirty. We're recording this about an hour after that game ended, and so I'm still livid. Um, so I'm sure this will be fun. Let's get right to it. You mentioned not wanting to do the linear, just get recap game one, game two. I mean, I think this is the this is what is hot on everyone's minds. This is probably why you tuned in to listen to the podcast predominantly. Ole Miss loses a uh, kind of a back and forth series finale today to Mississippi State. Seven to five, um, and the game turned completely in the five-run sixth inning that Mississippi State put up. That uh, I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The all five runs are 100 percent on the man wearing number five in the dugout. I, I don't think you could put a whole lot of blame other than Josh Mallett's not being very good on anyone else well, other than him. But you know, to, in fairness, he goes in when the head coach tells him to go in. And I, I, look, we'll just start with the inning as a whole. I have some thoughts on Mallett's in a minute, and sure. to read to you as well. But, uh, um, I mean, that's where this game in this series was lost. It was completely on the well, shoulders of Ole Miss's manager. Well, okay. I mean, like, yeah, people want to do the, oh, J Josh Mott screwed up. Well, like, do y'all blame the baby, like, when he gets pushed in the swimming pool if he can't swim? Because it's not his fault he can't swim. It's not, jo it's not, not Josh Mallett's fault he can't get out. It's been, he's proven he can't get out. He has a 5 ERA and a 1.5 whip, and he's been the freaking midweek pitcher. He gets to pitch against Austin P and, and God knows, you know, Alcorn State, and he can't even really get them out. And you're going to put that kid in on Sunday and the biggest game of the year, frankly. And, and just, I mean, like, there were so many other – and, look, I, I obviously wanted them to go to Taylor Broadway because I have a functioning brain. Um, but even in that, like, yes, Ole Miss's bullpen sucks, but is he, like, the only option? Like, did, you know, Braden Forsythe die? Did uh, Tyler Myers die? Fruit – Crap sake, did Austin Miller like well, you could have gone to him to start the inning? Sure, he didn't work out after he inherited guys on base, but like, why not go to him to start the freaking inning? There were so many other guys that you could have gone to besides Josh freaking Mallett who can't get anyone out. And look, I'm not trying to be, you know, 
mean to this kid or whatever, but he's been terrible. And and they just can't – they go to him for some – they went to him last week against Arkansas twice. And guess what? He didn't get anybody out against them either. Um, so, so not, to, not to cut you off because you were you kind of on a roll there. But you remember when we recorded the Friday show on Thursday night, I was kind of poking fun at you as your blood pressure was getting up about, hey, Mike's going to use Josh Mowage in a huge spot this weekend when it actually matters. And we were both talking about how we don't understand that. Look, I was kind of halfway kidding. I thought he'd do it. I, I did not think it would be a situation of this consequence, but I, I turned out to be exactly right by seriously just trying to make fun of you. I don't get it. I, I, I don't I'm get it either. It's not a one-time like, usually, thing. Usually, usually, he keeps doing that over and over again. My, it's almost like a drunk driver. You want to take away his car keys. He my, should not, if he goes – sorry, sorry not to interrupt you, but if he goes out there to put in Josh Mallett in a game that's remotely close – I think Lafferty should start being able to spank him with one of those fly swatters or something. He should not be allowed to do Look, it. Let me tell you, he does it. He does it next weekend. Life won't have to worry about it. I'm, I'll tackle him myself. <laughs> um, but I, look, you know, like there's a lot of times. Look, I've followed on this baseball for 20 years now, and like there's a lot of times like where Mike does stuff. I'm like, I wish you wouldn't do that. But I understood like what the thought process is, and like even if I disagree with him, like okay, I understand what he's trying to do. I have no idea. I have literally like okay, for, like let's see, let's just start here. Why does Drew McDaniel have to come out first off? He throws one pitch and gets a fly out. Okay, like why does he have to come out? It's not like it's going right on left or right on right. Like it's it's the same here. Like why did you have to? Why did he need to face this kid? And then you needed to get him off the mound. Like please explain. Um, second off, like why, why not just go to first off? I mean, you talked about this yesterday. Taylor Broadway should have started the game. That's another story for another day. Um, but you, you you don't go to him there. Like, you asked him to get 12 outs against TCU. He hasn't thrown in a week. Why in God's name could he not get 12 outs again? Oh, and it was funny. Uh, when he did come in the game, he pitched 2.1 scoreless. That That was the most epic troll of all time. Yeah, and then he comes in with the bases loaded, and you know he Which falls behind two zero. It's one undoubtedly tried. It's undoubtedly harder to throw strikes and get settled into a game when you inherit three base runners. It just sure. is, and it was the biggest spot of the game. And you could tell he just missed on both of those a little bit. You could see what he was trying to set up. Um, I believe it was too fast. It was a fastball away, and then something down, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. But, you know, when you get into a two hole count with a clean inning, it's not a big deal. When you get into a two hole count and the bases loaded in a game that's tied, it's a huge deal. Like, that, that changes the entire way you pitch to the guy. And, you know, good hitters did what good hitters do. And what was it? Was that Tanner Allen that did that? Yes. yes. Who's their best second? He's their best, best hitter. Team? Yeah, no, he's their best hitter. Probably their best hitter. I was going to give Rowdy Jordan or Cameron James perhaps a, a, a look in the, yeah. into that conversation. But I think their best and most consistent hitter. And I, I just don't understand that. So, you mentioned the why does Josh uh, – excuse me, Drew McDaniel have to come out I fully agree, but when he got the fly out, I was a little surprised he started the six. But when he got the fly out and Mike immediately yanked him, my thought was, okay, there must be some kind of out total or pitch count or something that Mike had in his mind for Taylor Broadway and Josh Mallett, or excuse me, I keep saying Mallett, Drew McDaniel getting one more out, reached whatever threshold that Mike felt comfortable with to use Taylor Broadway in my mind, and then he doesn't go to him. I, I thought Mallett's like warming up in the bullpen was like, oh, maybe he got tired or I mean, maybe he got bored. Maybe he needed to stretch. I didn't think he was actually throwing a game. And I say that halfway jokingly. I, I was dumbfounded when Josh Mallett's walked out of the bullpen 
um, for, you know, it, for a lot of reasons, a couple that we've just covered. But he gets – Drew McDaniel gets the fly out. Like you mentioned, why does he have to come out there? I thought if he came out, it was something the way he liked the setup for Broadway. But the fact that it wasn't Broadway is just head-scratching to me. I have no – if I asked you to make a case, how would you start? I would I can't. I, I like, and, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I can't. This makes no sense. This it's absolutely makes no sense. If you go to Broadway right there, and, it, and let's just pretend like you can't finish it, Braden Schwartz still exists. Wes Burton still exists. Tyler Myers still exists. And hopefully, what the hope would have been is that your offense isn't trying to play catch up, and they're out, able to add two or three runs, and Broadway is able to finish the freaking thing. But you know. Mike had other ideas. He had he had Josh Mallets on his brain, who hasn't gotten out since Vietnam. Yeah, so that was the great, interesting part to me. And I kind of went back and forth a little bit with Nick Suss on Twitter. Um, He's wrong, by the way. He's absolutely wrong. I, I, so I, I get his general sentiment of – I don't. When you, well, if you don't have very many bullpen arms that you can trust or you don't have any outside of Taylor Broadway, you're probably not as good of a ball club as this – as we okay. kind of agreed in February. I agree with that. I just don't agree with what he was trying to say. And then I said, you know, he said, if, if your second best pitcher can't get outs or if you can't determine who the second best pitcher is in parentheses. And I just kind of said, in what world is Austin Miller the team's second best reliever? Maybe you could make a case, but I would feel more comfortable with Braden Forsythe, Wes Burton, uh, Brandon Johnson, Jack Dowdery. I would feel more comfortable with all those guys than Josh Mallett's and um, Josh Mallett's and Austin Miller right now. Miller's pitched in big situations. What he did last year, or excuse me, 2019 at the SEC baseball tournament against Vanderbilt remains one of the more impressive pitching feats I've ever seen. He's been good in the past, but the latest version of him, what you've seen from him lately, I wouldn't trust him any further than I could throw him in that situation. And, you know, Suss comes back and says, Oh, Kimbrell has an 11 – I included Kimbrell in my example. He has 11.57 ERA in SEC play. I think that's a little misleading. Myers has a 10.50 ERA. And then his Forsyth excuse was that he's thrown 1.2 SEC innings in his life. I don't think that's a valid excuse not to use Braden Forsyth. You no, just use a freshman with a 13 ERA who's never pitched in these situations before other than the other two dumb times Mike ran him out. That, that's, a, that's a really bad – because when you talk about Braden Forsyth only throwing 1.2 SEC innings, sure – but he also threw an inning to close out a game against Louisville last year, threw an inning on the road against East Carolina to close out a game. Um, there were a multitude of other options in Josh Mallett's. Frankly, I, look, I have been someone that defends Mike Bianco because I think people that do the Omaha thing, I, don't, I just really don't agree with it. I think it's stupid. We've always um, been on the same page on that. Yeah, I think that's really stupid. Today was – and I mean this genuinely. I've tried to think back over the past hour. Today was the dumbest thing I've ever seen him do. And, and I – the only other thing that I could even argue was throwing Pomerantz in game two instead of holding him for game three and giving him an extra, extra day of rest against, you know, Virginia's backup pitchers. Um, but even that, like, I kind of understood it. I'm not saying I would have done it because I wouldn't, but I understood it. There's no rationale for what he did today. It, 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 it defies logic. Uh, yeah, no, it absolutely does. There's like it, it, it is a series of logic-defying decisions. And so not – I mean, I like such smart dude. He knows baseball. I was just kind of more, like, interested where he thought Austin Miller was second uh, best reliever on the team. And My thing was – Parentheses that, like, you know, or you're unable to decipher. And to the credit, I probably didn't read the first tweet the second time. But even if your point is, hey, they don't have enough depth, they're not as good of a team, he called – He said I didn't agree with the part where he said that – Taylor Broadway not having pitched and being available is immaterial. 
I disagree. Even if you don't Absolutely have depth, why not. is a four-four game in the SEC in a series that's going to decide the West or help decide the West the time to find depth? Uh, that's exactly right. Like him not throwing his immaterial. How? Like he can literally close the game right here. It makes no sense. Like we're going to try. We're going to have open tryouts for the second best reliever in Duty Noble Stadium on a Sunday. Like, what are we doing? The, the fact that he hasn't had it thrown all weekend was why I was pretty confident Ole Miss was going to win this baseball game because I thought Drew McDaniel would do not exactly what he did. Frankly, I didn't think he would be that good. Um, but I thought, I thought he'd go five innings, give up three. And I thought Ole Miss's offense would score enough to where they're up five to six to three when he leaves the mound. And I thought the man wearing number five in the dugout that stands about 5-5 five, five would give the ball to Taylor Broadway. Um, he instead gave it to a freshman from Tampa, Florida, who struggles at times to get Alcorn State up. I was about to say, Malice has been the second midweek option. Drew McDaniel was the best midweek option to start the year, and you're trusting him in the most important situations, some of the most important situations that they pitched in this year to this point. And I should have done this. We, we had, we, we Do you think they had a funeral for Brandon Johnson? Yeah, that's so you, – you were kind of you were kind of going in the same direction I was about to go. The way he manages this bullpen – and I know some guys have gotten hurt, and I know some guys have not been up to par, but the way he's managing this bullpen is completely night and day different than the way he did in Texas to start the season. He – in Texas just kept running dudes out there. Like, all right, well, we'll try this guy. We'll try this guy now. We'll try this guy now. Like, he just kept running dudes out there. And that's, frankly, honestly, that's to me is how you should do this bullpen. You have a bunch of guys. You have, you have three starters that I think are pretty good. Frankly, I think Ole Miss collectively has the best rotation in the league, maybe the country, probably the country. Uh, when you talk about Doug Casey and Gunnar Hoagland, and then your third starter is so much better than Vanderbilt's, it's not even funny. Um, but whatever, they're one or two in the country. You have a dominant closer now. You have a freak show of closer. And you've got a bunch of dudes that aren't really good. Like, just keep running them out there, and eventually you hit gold with one of them on a weekend, and they're find out they're pretty decent. Like, don't keep going to the same dudes over and over again and expecting different results. There's a definition for that. So just keep running dudes out there and have a revolving door for all I care. But at some point, you can't just keep going back to the same guys and thinking, oh, it'll work this time. No, it won't. They'll give up three singles, and the game will be tied. Not to uh, fire you up anymore, but I, I have a couple of numbers if you're ready to hear them. Oh, I'm going to puke. Okay, well, I'll start you off with a little palate cleanser. Uh, Luke Baker, poor cat's ERA in the SEC is 99. Um, yeah, yeah, it's not great. I just noticed that because it's under the statistic that I was going to. Sorry, I'm just being very ADD today. You ready for this? Sure. Josh Mallett has six appearances, and he's covered six innings in those times. An so SEC play? Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Appearance in SEC play, which is probably as big of an indictment as anything as how Mike Bianco has mismanaged this bullpen. In what world should he have more SEC appearances than Austin Miller, Tyler Myers, Jackson Kimbrell, he has more SEC appearances than everyone not named Drew McDaniel or Taylor Broadway. Oh, my God. Why? That is horrific. I have no idea. Like, you keep – I have no idea. This kid sucks. I know. Whenever I ask – just for the general rule for this, pod, for this podcast because of what happened today, if I'm asking a question, it's just to the abyss. You don't have to answer it. I, I have no re- – like, you ready I, for can't the rest even, of it? I can't even fathom his rationale. Are, are you ready for the rest of it? 
Yeah, in those sure. I mean, innings that, that he's pitched, he has allowed 12 earned runs on 13 hits. With, that's an 18 ERA. That is correct. That's pretty good math by you. That's exactly what it is. Three walks, five strikeouts. Opponents are hitting 464 off of him in SEC play. <laughs> He put the midweek pitcher in that couldn't get out. See, and the kids Mississippi State. <laughs> I'm not uh, okay, talking right, about hold, hold on. Let, let's be a little fair. I, I, I want to check something here. How many walks does he have? Uh, in SEC play? Yeah. Three. All right. How many innings? Six. I, the only rationale I can even come up with. Is that he throws strikes? No, the strikes get killed. But he, he did he does. strikes. He did not walk a guy today. That's the only rationale I can give. Is that he throws strikes? That's all I got. That's a good he point. Throws, he doesn't walk people. He throws strikes, and Mike thought that you know, even though the balls they hit are going 103 miles an hour off the freaking bat, at least they're not going to get to walk. It's like, oh my god. I, I yeah, I don't have anything for you on that, but I just. Do you think – Do you hold on. Do you think Wes Burton and, and Brandon Johnson, do you think they did the funerals together or do you think they, they, they were able to splurge and do them separately? Yeah, I'm uh, – do you know how many appearances in SEC play Brandon Johnson has? That'd be a good zero. Yeah, I was about to say the next one would be his first. And Wes Burton has three. And to in complete fairness, the only reason he got the third one last week is because they absolutely had to use him. And to be – also to be completely fair – no, excuse me. Sorry, Mike did put him in last week. It was before he got tossed. He got tossed while Burton was on the mound. Yeah. But I just – in what world should Josh Mallett have the second most appearances in SEC play on your baseball team? I, 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 I don't get that. Maybe I, – I don't know. I, you know, I, I almost said something I shouldn't have, but oh, I won't say that. Um, I have no idea. And literally the only rationale is – I guess he throws strikes, but you know, when the strikes result in you blowing a lead, the, those strikes, you know, you know who else throws strikes? Taylor Broadway. He throws yeah, strikes. It's, 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 yeah, it's head scratching to say the least because you're right. They you have other guys that throw strikes. I, I just can't, I, I didn't know this until I pulled it up. I just can't wrap my head around him being the second most used pitcher in the SEC. It doesn't make any sense. And even if you don't trust the other guys, it's worth a shot, right? It's, it, the, the right move was to go straight to Taylor Broadway or Lee Drew McDaniel. The only two pitchers who should have pitched today were Drew McDaniel and Taylor Broadway, unless one of them got shelled. Unless, you know, Drew McDaniel got, couldn't make it, you know, two innings or something like that. That was the only scenario in which anyone else should have pitched if the game was going to go well for Ole Miss, and that didn't happen. But there's even if you don't trust the other offense, I don't care if you don't trust Braden Forsythe, why is he not used? Why not try? I don't care if you trust Tyler Marshall. Why not try? The one guy that he claims to trust has statistically the worst numbers on the baseball team. I could have justified. I oh, honestly, God. Respect to Luke Baker. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, outside of Luke Baker and maybe Mitch Morell, and I, I, and I do think I mean this literally, and obviously Gunner and uh, uh, Doug, I think he could have put literally anybody else, any other human, on that mound, and I would be like, okay, I get it. And I'm including Greer Holston. And, like, I'm including Derek Diamond, who hasn't literally gotten someone out since Vietnam. Um, I could have justified, I think, just about anybody else 
except for that kid. So, and, yes, that's a, finish your thought. Sorry. That's a great No, I'm just – literally, I, I don't think there's anybody else on the mound. Now, let me be very clear. He should have just gone to Broadway is what he should have done. But he didn't. And if you're and, – and, and I did listen to Mike's post game it's, as much as he wanted to make me puke. He said we wanted to get through the six. We would have gone to Broadway to start the seventh and let him try to finish it. I, I don't agree. But, like, that's the, that's the thing, like, right, where I tell you I don't agree with Mike Bianco there, but I understand his thought process. And with this Josh Mallett's thing, I don't understand the thought process. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you need to get through the sixth, okay. But, again, literally anybody else. And, and I, outside, of, again, of Mitch Morell and Luke Baker, I think I, honest to God, mean literally anybody else. Yeah, so that's the part that's the part that that gets me to where you may have tweeted something similar to this. I was reading the all the dramatics and and I couldn't decide if I was like actually going to be annoyed and trying to figure this out or just laugh at the whole thing and it was a mix of both. And if you put someone else in, it's not the right decision, but you could say, "Okay, fine." But Agreed. putting him in, I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I don't claim to be this base, to be some sort of expert or psychic or savant, but I was 100% certain things were going to go badly as soon as he walked out of that dugout. And I'm just some asshole with a podcast. Uh, I'll read you uh, Dylan Edwards' tweet. Uh, my favorite thing about Mike's decision today is everyone was like, oh, no, this is going, this is terribly stupid when he came in the game. And then everyone was like, Look, look at it. It was terribly stupid after he gave up three runs. It's like everyone knew, except for the guy paid $1.4 million, that this was going to go badly. But the guy paid $1.4 million more than Dave Roberts of the Dodgers somehow, like, just like with utter confidence, walked out to that mound and put Josh Mallett in the game. And, and I feel bad crapping on Josh Mallets to an extent because again when you push a baby in a swimming pool and he doesn't swim it's not the baby's fault um it's not Josh Mallets' fault that they keep putting him in the freaking game it's not not his fault and I think Josh Mallets by the time he leaves Ole Miss is going to be pretty good um but it ain't this year it's kind of like Calvin Harris at DH it's not this year you know so I, I don't know man it's 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 mind-boggling, and it's it frankly just cost them any shot to win the SEC West. Yeah, it did, and that's that's another thing that we should hit on. This is it's not Josh Mallett's fault. He's a true. No. Freshman. he's been fine on the midweek. You know who else was fine no. on the midweek as a true freshman to start? Doug Nikhazy. There's been plenty. I mean, name the pitcher that's become a pretty good contributor on the weekend or done something else. It's not his fault. That's not what he's supposed to be at this point in his career. But he's being put in these. It's it's seriously so mind-boggling. Look. I just started at the company I work for, uh, you know, nine months ago. I like to think I'm pretty good at what I'm doing, but they're not putting me as head of corporate advertising for a reason. <laughs> I'm 26 and I've been there for nine months. If they did, I would do a shit job and it would be totally unfair and it would not be my fault. I would try my best, which is what Josh Mallett is doing. But the fact, if they put me in that thing, if, if they could walk up to me at work and said, we're going to make you head of corporate advertising or whatever the role is, I'm just making up a role, I would be like, oh, shit, we stopped drug testing here. Awesome. Like, <laughs> I just can't justify that. That To me, that's not that far off of a comparison. Can, can I be honest? He's so underqualified for what he's being asked to do, and it's not his fault. So I'll be completely honest with you. Um, you know, obviously, I knew, I think, Saturday, Ben told me that they didn't have post-game media. And so I'm like, okay, well, they, you know, if anything's going on, they don't know it. 
I honest to God, this was my thought when Josh Mallets took the mound. And I'm being dead serious. It was Broadway has COVID. That was it. I, I, and I admit it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, um, you know, a joke. Like I'm like, he, he literally has COVID. That's the only way he's not in this game. And then they were like, oh, and Broadway's going to the bullpen. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, I, I thought the man had COVID. That's the only way he could be in the game. But nope, nope. He, uh, God, and it feels bad just crapping on Josh Miles. But, like, my thing is, is Austin Miller would have been completely fine in that situation. If you put him in there, like, five after the out in the fifth inning, I think Austin Miller gets through it. But you put a guy in that throws 87 miles an hour with guys all over the bases, it's like, yeah, it's probably not going to go well. Um, but if you're able to put him in in a clean inning and let him throw his curveball, and he, I don't, he frankly looked pretty good. Uh, the hit the Brule got was on an 0-2 curveball that he did a good job of and, and slapped the opposite way, but he got ahead of both hitters. And then, you know, Rowdy Jordan gets the infield single. It's Austin Miller wasn't bad, but you went to him in a situation where he's not at his best, and you did it because you had to put Josh Ballots in the game. Yeah, you, you did. I, I just – I can't – and then if you're going to put him in the game, his leash better be longer than me when I, I – I'm not actually – I'm not going to make that reference. <laughs> I was about to, was about to get somewhere. Oh, I uh, go. If he gives up two hits and two base runners, someone else should come in the game. Why does Sleep Run have to cross the plate before he waddles back out there to take the guy out that can't get out to the midfield? Why did three guys have to destroy baseballs back into the outfield before he went out? Even if you wanted to mess up and just say – I mean, seriously, I tweeted this somewhat tongue-in-cheek. When Josh Mallett came in the game, if you want to improve pace of playing baseball, just look at the scoreboard operator and say, hey, we'd like it to be 4-4. It's the same result. It was inevitable. Could you give us an out and give them two runs, and we'll just start there? He didn't get an out. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That may, that may have been better. <laughs> so I, 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 just, I can't wrap my head around this, and I'd like to revisit the point – that we brought up a second ago because we got sidetracked. <sighs> just saying it's not Josh Mallett's fault. It, the right decision is to go straight to Taylor Broadway. Yes. I don't understand the logic of we just, it, you know, his, his quote, one of his quotes on radio, I'm reading from Nick Suss, who added some context to his story. I would encourage you to go read Nick Suss. I feel like I dumped on him earlier. I was just trying to figure out like what his frame of thought was. And I think he has a point to some degree. Anyway, Nick Suss said he's that Mike said after the game, we just couldn't get, off the field and we couldn't get to Broadway. How do you need to get to him? You ended up using him an out later. You that's my, that, that's my out. issue. Why, you ended up using him anyway. Why are you trying exactly. to get to the seventh? Even if you are, use someone else, anyone else. That, that's my issue. You went to him in the fifth or the sixth, whatever. You went to him in the sixth. So you obviously were okay going to him in the sixth. Why wasn't it to start the inning? And, and if you don't think Taylor Broadway, people, people, someone texted me or tweeted me, I can't remember, said he won't be able to finish. If you don't think for one second if Ole Miss hits a three-run home run in the top of the ninth inning that Taylor Broadway would not have gone to that mound and finished that game, I have nothing for you. He would have been completely fine to go 3.2 innings. Would have been no issue. And he didn't get the opportunity. So I'm not missing anything here. I mean, there's nothing to look at outside of appearances. It is completely accurate to say that Josh Mowitz is Ole Miss's second most used reliever in SEC play. Oh, my God. How many appearances does Broadway have? I think it's – is that, That's correct, right? What, I'm not missing anything. I'm not miss. I don't think – well, I mean, yeah, second most because Broadway's appeared four, six, eight, eight times, yeah. So, yeah, he's appeared six. That'd be about right. But if I walked up you down the street without you knowing that and I said Josh Mowitz is Ole Miss's second used pitcher in SEC play, what would you think? 
help me. Um, I guess technically. So, so here's the thing. You're, you're not, you're not wrong. Um, I, I do think you have to consider a combination of Drew McDaniel and Derek Diamond as the same person. And that person probably has more appearances, but I don't know if they do or not. Um, they have eight. McDaniel has seven, and of course Diamond has one relief one. appearances. But McDaniel has two starts, so McDaniel had five. So they have that that person, that combined person has six. So he is the second most used reliever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now let's be let's be clear here. Um, I, I'm crapping on Mike because he deserves to be crapped on. That being said, Ole Miss has a bullpen issue. Like th- this is a problem. That's like, what yeah, Suss's point is. They, they could have – yes, and, and Suss is not wrong in that they have a bullpen issue. My problem with Suss's uh, point was um, you didn't have to magnify that issue today. Like, today wasn't the day where that had to be exposed. You could have, you know, not magnified that, put Taylor Broadway in the game, and then you'd never know you have a bullpen issue. But you didn't. Excuse my French. You took a piss on Doug's complete game. That's what he afforded you. He gave Doug DeCasey, yes. outside of being brilliant yesterday, gave you that. Why not use it? Yeah, makes no sense. Um, so, now, again, we can get to this, and we probably need to. They have a bullpen issue. And, and I say that, like, in the let – me, let, me, let me back up a little bit. They have a bullpen issue, and that the guys Mike has fallen in love with suck. Um, Josh Mallett sucks. Um, Tyler Myers has not been good. I don't think Tyler Myers sucks, but not been good. Uh, Austin Miller is not getting it done right now. Jackson Kimbrell has control issues. But usually, you know, most normal people, when you have those issues, you try somebody else. You don't just keep running back and back and back and watching it blow up. You try something else, especially when you're talking about, you know, you have a Brian or a Brandon Johnson, a, a Wes Burton, and a Jack Dowdery on your team. You, you try something else. You don't just keep getting your head beat in. And, and I'm hopeful. What I'm hopeful, if anything happens out of today, I'm hope, I hope one of two things happens. Mike tries to expand this bullpen depth over the next few weeks because, frankly, and, and we can get into this and we need to, I don't – today sucked without a shadow of a doubt if you're an Ole Miss fan. I, this team is still fine. From a metric standpoint and how good they are standpoint, this team is fine. Um, but what I'm hopeful for over the next two weeks, uh, three weeks, is Mike is able to find more bullpen depth. And he – and this is what I have said. This is what I said on Thursday with Gunnar Hoagland um, and, and, you know, trying to get it to Broadway. Stop trying to freaking bridge it to Broadway. Just give it to him. And if you need to get somebody else to finish it, fine. But, st- like, don't limit Taylor Broadway's innings. Does that make sense? Like, it, yes. you, you, get, you get it to the seventh. Okay, he's got three You texted me yesterday he should start to underscore your point. Absolutely. He absolutely should have started this game. And look, Drew McDaniel was fine. But why did why couldn't Taylor Broadway have started and gone six innings? And people will say, oh, he's never done it before. I don't care. Like, he's a pitcher, man. Like, he'll be okay. And even if he gives you five innings, if Taylor Broadway would have started today and gone five innings and give up one, one, one run, Ole Miss would have won this baseball game. Um, but, you know, I, I'm tired of watching Taylor Broadway's innings be limited because you think you have to bridge it to him. Like, the other day, uh, or on this game two against Arkansas, you tried to bridge it to him with McDaniel. Just put him in the freaking game or against Arkansas in the first game. Just put him in the game. Let him go 3.2 innings win the game, and you figure out the rest of the weekend when you have to. The, the part that I don't understand is even if you don't trust the guys, 
So Tyler Myers has a two-year track record. I remember his career kind of took off. He had a stretch in the midweeks uh, in 2019, I believe it was. Maybe it was 18. I can't remember. Has he been here that long? Where He was 19. He was 19. So he went about four or five appearances, mostly over midweeks, if I'm not mistaken. I think he had one weekend, weekend appearance at A&M in this stretch where he didn't allow a run over like nine innings. And Mike started using him on the weekend. Makes sense. Austin Miller. You know, he was pretty much good from the start. He was a JUCO kid that came in. Mike used him in a huge series against someone in 19 early on, and he'd been good from the start. Justifiable. Like, go down the list. Braden Forsythe, as granted, he's only pitched 1.2 SEC innings in the past, but he's had good stretches. What has Josh Mallett's done to deserve the innings that he's being afforded? What have you seen from him in a game action that deserves that makes him he should be a factor on the weekend in the SEC at all. You want me to be dead serious? What does he do? Like what is what you mentioned that he's fallen in love with him. What have you seen for the like for the love affair to be created? I haven't he, seen anything. He was dominant in an inning against Texas, and that's it. That's all I got. He was. I mean, now look, that inning against Texas was an absolute freak show of an inning. But that's it. Like that. That's all I got. And and past that, it's been just an absolute bloodbath. Like, to the point, like, if Ole Miss was actually playing competent teams on the midweek, I think you would have to get him off being the midweek starter. Like, he's not good enough to get midweek teams out that are good. Like, if Southern Miss rolled in here on Tuesday night, I would pray to God they don't start that kid against Southern Miss. Uh, yeah, no, you're dead on there. I, I agree. I mean, he, he was – He's, I mean, he's been good enough in the midweek where it's not a, a RPI buster, but he's flirted with being kind of an RPI buster guy for a while. And North Alabama got after him a little bit. Uh, yes, they did. I was actually looking at the numbers right now. He only made it three innings, gave up five hits and two earned runs. Two <laughs> one run, two runs, one earned. But uh, that was a big rivalry game. I'm sure the juices were flowing. <laughs> Today wasn't. So, look, I know we've harped on this for a long time, but I think it's what most people want to hear. I think most people that no, watch well, this the thing is, is going to remember. Game one and in game two, look, Doug Nikhazy's special, dominant, most dominant performance I've seen from an Ole Miss pitcher not named Drew Pomerantz in my life. There's not a lot to say from game one and two. Ole Miss won a baseball game. Ole Miss lost a baseball game. Like, it is what it is. That's what's supposed to happen. You win games, you lose games. There was no managerial bust that cost you – I didn't really think there was anything Mike could have done on Friday night to fix what happened. I didn't really think there was anything Mike obviously did wrong on Saturday uh, or did right on Saturday. I think he just sent dudes up there. They got hits. Doug McKenzie was special. Like, the talking point is Mike butchering this pitching staff on Sunday. Like, that, you know, we can talk about Friday and Saturday all we want. Like, what are we going to talk about? Gunner was really good. They didn't get hits in key positions. On Saturday, Doug McKenzie was awesome. They got 17 hits. Like, there's not a ton to talk about. What's there to talk about is Mike absolutely butchering a game and costing his team a series. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that, that it costs him a series. It's potentially going to be consequential. They're probably not winning the West. Uh, but, look, there's another part of this to where this team's just not playing well enough to currently win the West. Well, but in terms of yes. the consequences of this series, it costs them that. And, look, this is not going to play – like, this losing to Mississippi State over and over again, I think it, they, Mississippi State has beaten Ole Miss 16 of 19 – like that matters. That plays the fan base is definitely tired of that. You can sense. I mean, hell, uh, we got when I asked for questions or comments, we got a bajillion. I would ask the audience where the hell this energy is on Mailback Friday, but that's neither here nor there. Point being, people are upset. Like that, that wears on the fan base. You can tell that Ole Miss fans sure. are upset with that and tired of losing to Mississippi State. Uh, I, I will be honest, and, and I'm not a good gauge for this. As someone that 
practically grew up 15 to 20 minutes from start. Well, I, I, I hate Mississippi State. Can't stand them. Uh, from an athletic perspective, it's a robbery. I'm an Ole Miss fan. I went to Ole Miss. For whatever reason, and look, say just flat out just kicked Ole Miss in the teeth the past four years, five years, whatever. That doesn't bother me. Like, it, you know, if they would have lost today seven to two and just didn't show up, Drew McDaniel wasn't good, like, I wouldn't be overly upset today. It is what it is because you can accomplish, frankly, and it's not really this way in football, and it's not this way in football, and it's not really this way in basketball. Um, you can accomplish everything you want as an Ole Miss baseball program and not beat Mississippi State. Like, beating Mississippi State has very little recruiting implication. Um, obviously, it's nice because State's a really good baseball program. It's going to give you top 25 wins. And I understand those people that are upset and tired of losing Mississippi State. Let me be clear. But for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me a whole lot that State just wins those series. Um, but in saying that, like, yeah, it, at some point it would be nice to, you know, in the past six years win one of those series too. And we'll get into their bullpen issues as a whole when we get to the questions. Let's go through the rest of the series a little bit or maybe even just the rest of the inning in the day. But, like, you know, if Broadway strikes him out and doesn't allow the bases clearing on triple Allen or whoever it was, Tanner Allen, and, you know, that doesn't mean, like, it was a smart decision. And that that was the thing that – last thing I'll say on the decision itself, I guess, was even if he had gone to someone else and it worked – that doesn't make it the right decision, but there's shades of gray to that. If he goes to Austin Miller immediately or he goes to Braden Forsythe, there hell, I know Jackson Kimball struggled, but he, like I would trust him more than Josh Mallett. If he goes to someone else, I would disagree with the decision, but I could understand, okay, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable pitching Broadway this long. I don't agree with it, but I could make a case. When you do what you did today in the manner that you did it, to go Mallett's, then Miller, then Broadway with the bases loaded, I, I can't even see what you're thinking. I, exactly. I, that doesn't make any sense. That's my that's my issue. Is I I have no idea what the rationale was with with the decisions that were made. Again, so, Mike's done a lot of things over his career. Like you know, used to when he bunted a lot, that would annoy me. I understood his thought process. I just disagreed. There's nothing to disagree with here. Like this was just stupid, and amazingly, like and that's and that's what sucks is like yeah, sometimes stupid things work. He's paid, he's paid a lot of money to make those decisions. Yeah. Uh, sometimes stupid things work, so I'm just, like, sitting on my couch praying to God that they hit a ball at somebody. But, like, you know, the, the more and more you make stupid decisions, the more and more it's going to come bite you in the butt. You know, Mike made a stupid decision today, and that's why his team's 9-6 in the SEC. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into this. I, again, I've said this. They're fine as far as accomplishing everything they want to accomplish if you talk about them metrically. But there are some concerns on this team as well. Yeah, they are. And we'll get into the plenty of that. I promise the listeners had tons of questions, comments. Some people are just asking, questioning our existence. Um, but <laughs> we'll get into that. So, obviously, it goes the way it goes. Ole Miss is down 7-4. to four. Um, To be honest with you, dude, and I texted you this, and I just put on golf after that. I knew that they weren't coming back. I know it's three runs. I know there's a chance. But when that happened the way it happened, you could just – I mean, there's moments when the energy went out of the stadium at 18 when they didn't capitalize on the basis loaded situation against Tennessee Tech. You just kind of knew where that was headed. I felt like it was one of those moments. I just felt like the game was over at that point. Oh, see, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I disagree a little bit in that I saw this team a week ago erase an 11 0 deficit. I thought the offense was going to eventually get it going. And that's an underlying story that, uh, that won't get talked about a, a lot today. The offense wasn't good enough today. 
Um, yeah, you score five runs, and, and sometimes that's enough to win on Sunday. But when you're talking about a team that has scored, you know, 19, 11, and, what, 14 last week on Sunday, you would hope that you're able to put up more than five runs, especially with the bullpen issue that you do have. Um, offense wasn't good enough today. And, uh, you know, I, I frankly thought if Ole Miss could hold Mississippi State to five or six, they would win easily. I thought they would get after Mississippi State's bullpen. I thought, look, where this game, you know, obviously it was lost in the sixth inning. Where this game was really lost is you didn't get after Jackson Fristo, who has not been very good for Mississippi State. You didn't get after that guy, um, and you let him slip sliver off the ropes. And, and you know, obviously, look, the decision oh, in the sixth inning. Uh, until until the until Jacob Gonzalez battled back, like you to under. I'm just adding on to your point here. Until Jacob Gonzalez battled back from 0-2 and sparked that two-out rally, they made Fristo look quite good. I haven't watched yeah. every Mississippi State start this year, but through three innings, that's got to be one of the best three-inning stretches he's had this season against. The oh, Mississippi. it absolutely is. I mean, he came into the game. He came into the game with a 6.75 ERA and SEC play and a 1.8 WHIP. Yeah, he's not been good. Yeah, I that's, that's another place where this game was lost today, like you said, because I thought after what Doug did yesterday and not having used Broadway at all, I thought Ole Miss had a tremendous advantage today. Over Ole Miss was – on the mound. Mississippi State's bullpen is better, but in terms of getting after – like you mentioned, getting early, getting after the starter, and then just preserving it with Broadway, I thought uh, Ole Miss had a tremendous advantage today. And like you said, they didn't capitalize on it. Fristo leaving with one run on the hook, even though he gets – he leaves in the fourth inning or whatever it was. It's just not good enough. No. No, they weren't good enough offensively. But in that being said, I mean, you know, you offer me four to two in the sixth inning with an out, nobody on base, I'd have taken it too. So, um, the other and, note I was going to add about the offense, like you said, if you, like, I know we're, you can't discount it, would have, could have, should have. But if you're looking at the totality of the offense at the whole, you take away two Hayden Leatherwood nukes and it's really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, look, let's, let's, Look, we've harped on this on enough. Mike was awful today, made a boneheaded decision. There were some, I thought, positive things this weekend. I mean, obviously, you're able to you're able to see Hayden Leatherwood. And what people won't realize against that, and this is where, like, me and you've had this conversation this weekend, it's probably time to go back to not playing John Rice Plumley after advocating probably playing him. He had two home runs against left-handed pitching today. Um Probably time for Leatherwood to be back in there full time. Now, where First I think two hits he, against left SEC left-handers, as you pointed yes. out to me this morning, he'd yet to have a hit against the left-handed pitcher in league play. Correct? Yeah. Yes. And and my only point was that he shouldn't play over Ben Van Cleve against left-handed pitching. It wasn't that he shouldn't play um, because Ben Van Cleve hits left-handed pitching. Um, so I think I think frankly that this weekend has probably put John Rice Plumley back on the bench. And we'll it's kind of not really his fault. No, we'll have this – we'll bring one of our text arguments to life here later in the podcast. But if you want to talk about positives Ole Miss can draw from the weekend, just keep it in game three. What Drew McDaniel did today, you will take every single other timeout they have left. And credit to him in that stage, in that environment, the way the game started. Like, you know, he, he allowed a – he allowed a, what, it was a walk and then a hit batsman. Look, you can hear that play starting to kind of get loud. And this is, you know, three batters into the game. I was thinking, oh, boy, they're not going to – like. This is going to be worse than Diamond. They're not going to get out of the first. And then he had a streak where he retired eight or nine in a row. He was yeah. fantastic, I thought, and really battled. Freaking great. Um, That's what you, you want know. for your Sunday guy. He doesn't have to be perfect. He can make mistakes. He can lead guys on base. But if he can get you five with two, three runs, whatever, that you take that every time, and he was better than that. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was awesome. Six, by the way, if you want to add into that argument. 
Hey, you want you want to know some reality too? If you had started me on Sunday after uh, after Alabama, Ole Miss would have three would have two more wins because they would have beat Arkansas and they would have beat Florida. Agreed no, with both of those. We we talked they, about that where you can't really crush Mike Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was still clear in that moment that he was a better pitcher. This version of him this year was a better pitcher than Diamond. But you could – that's one of those things. You don't agree with it, but it's justifiable. I get why he stuck out with Diamond for, I would say, two more weeks. I didn't understand sticking with it for Arkansas, but you're right. Um, speaking of Diamond, I, I think at this point – and maybe I'm crazy. Look, he, he was awful on Friday night, and they got after him a little bit. Um, you know, the drop pop-up was really bad, obviously. I think at this point, after looking at this bullpen and just saying, like, I don't really trust anybody. I think I, I, I'm going to have to keep sending Derek Diamond out there in relief. And, and I don't really think that kid's real good right now. What about but today? At least, if, you ha- if you really didn't yeah. Broadway that bad, how about today? I mean, I, he would have been a better option than Mallets. But I'm just saying from a stuff standpoint, like there are guys on this team that are not good uh, bullpen guys because I don't think they have really good stuff. Like, I can make a case that Derek Diamond finds it and is a decent midweek or a dis- decent reliever. I've got a really hard time making that case right now for Josh Mallets. I've got a really hard time, frankly, making it for Austin Miller. I can make the case for like Derek Diamond being a good reliever. And, and I can't really do that with every guy they send out there. You know, so um, I, I think at this point, you know, just looking at the bullpen struggles, which are obviously evident. They're going to have to try to – look, this kid was a perfect game 10. He was your Sunday starter for eight weeks or whatever he was. Um, I guess 12 if you go back to last year. He, You're just going to have to let him try to figure it out. And, look, maybe that's letting him throw on midweeks, getting him some confidence, whatever. Um, but when we talk about this bullpen issue, I don't think this bullpen issue can be rectified without Derek Diamond finding it. I agree. I agree. Because they're going to need somebody. And I think you can kind of see Forsythe turning into a corner a little bit. I think Tyler Myers has been better of late. I think I don't think this is this is a permanent thing with this bullpen. It's not good right now, but I think some guys will be better later in the year. But you know who's and not be one of them is Josh Mallett. But sticking on McDaniel for a second, that's something like that. That's a pretty huge – because that's been a problem for Ole Miss, falling behind early in Sunday games. And State's offense isn't great. It's a good SEC offense, and he handled himself and he handled the moment pretty well, which is he key because God forbid this team. I know everyone's pissed off right now, but God forbid this team need a win in a regional final. That's a guy you trust, and that's a guy that's not going to wilt when. Oh, that that's a guy that if Ole Miss is two zero in a regional, they're going to win the regional now because Josh or, or Drew McDaniel is going to go give you six and three. And this offense is going to assault some number four pitcher from Clemson or whatever. Um, so, yeah, look, I think, I think Ole Miss, Frank, look, losing to Mississippi State sucks. I don't think anybody's going to sugarcoat that. But there were, if you want to look at it, there were some positives from this weekend. Hayden Leatherwood playing like he did against left-handed pitching, really good sign. I'll give you another one. Kale Baker played well this weekend. He did. That's a really good sign. Um, frankly, just a little bit of premature hate on Kel Baker. His numbers are pretty good in an Ole Miss uniform, if you just want to be honest about it. Um, played pretty well this weekend, too. So, you know, if that's something that's real, that, that, that's certainly encouraging going forward. 
no, you're right. People don't like him because he strikes out a lot, and he hadn't been good this year. But I, I've, I've made has he not though? Has he not been good this year? He's got an 880 OPS and has an 850 OPS in SEC play. So you're, you're, you're right. I, I should have said that uh, differently. He was not good to start the year. Um, sure. He came back immediately from the hand. Like, he wasn't great before the hand thing. And I think last year him struggling outside of that one weekend and really that one day, people kind of started getting on. You know, when you say narrative, you assume something – it means something isn't true. People started getting onto that narrative, but it was true. Like the narrative can be true. But I agree. But I made that case to you on the podcast uh, multiple times. I, I, and I've written it in the newsletter – there's a case for him that it was still just a lack of a sample size this year. He has not had a rhythm and he's not been able to play and he's not been able to see pitching consistently. It is not. And, and people piss me off when they do this. It's not a velocity issue with Kale Baker. Like people are, oh, he can't hit Velo. Why not? He took Bobby Miller deep twice. He took a 92 mile hour fastball off the wall in center field this weekend. Like this is a, this is more a chase cockerel issue than it is, you know, somebody that can't c- catch up to Velo. And obviously, he handles breaking stuff a lot better than Cockrell does. Um, I was so, about to say the same thing. To me, it's him picking up breakers from dudes and picking up out of guys' hands and staying on those. Um, but you're right. It's not a – I mean, Cockrell was borderline Pedro Serrano. <laughs> but my thing with Baker is, like, what, are, what do people want from him? Like, if they put him in the eight hole and this dude hits 240 and has an OPS of 820, like, I'll sign in blood for that. That, that's what they need. They need him to hit 240, 250, hit three or four home runs in SEC play, draw some walks. Like, this kid doesn't have to be Tim Elko, and I think that's what everybody wants him to be. He's not going to be freaking Tim Elko. But if he can be just, you know, Kale Baker, be 250, 820 OPS, and Hayden Leatherwood continues to be on fire, then you've got something in this offense. And and that's what I think this team needs is, is no, you're not going to replace Tim Elko overnight. By the way, he looked good walking around today. I'll say that. He holds um, it out of a clipboard. Um, look good. No crutches. <laughs> no crutches. Just saying. Well, uh, we'll get that in a second. Let's uh, finish the thought on the uh, you know Sunday game. Kind of was what it was after that. You're right. Hayden Leatherwood was good. Let's go back to Friday night game because I know people sure. were a little frustrated about that. Um, my uh, general consensus from that Friday game is that State just played a really good baseball game. Sure. Ole Miss kind of made a couple of mistakes late, and State made them pay. I thought that was a really well-played game by both teams. I just thought State played a much cleaner game and was really good and did exactly what they had to do. You know, McCants kind of takes a weird angle at the ball that allows the extra base, and State gets up two and then hands the baseball to their guy, who was awesome all year, like we told you, Landon Sims. And that was that's their formula to win, and they did enough to win. Yeah, no, that's exactly right, man. Look. Um, you, you, you look back at that Friday game, right? And to me, it's like, uh, it, like, I, and this is what I think some Ole Miss fans kind of maybe struggle with at times is like, there is a situation where Ole Miss just loses a baseball game and there's no underlying theme, right? Like, I don't really think that there was some like big massive deal on, on Friday night that just kind of lost and that sucks. And, you know, Gunner was really good and, and, Frankly, you know, you make two errors. Well, one-on-one ruled an error that they cost you runs. You lose baseball games. It is what it is. Like, you, Ole, Miss was go- Ole Miss could have played well uh, every game this year. They still weren't going to go 30-0. You know? So, like, when I looked at Friday night, and I was there. So, trust me, I was, I was as upset as anybody. Um, just lost. It is what it is. Um, so I, I Friday night battle. And that's what every well-played <laughs> Friday night game should be in this league. And Ole Miss played well enough to give themselves a chance but wasn't able to do it. 
but they were played well enough to win the game. State just played better. And that's kind of what you need. Like, I would take that performance they had on most Friday nights, you know, in terms of just staying in the game and, and the way the team pitched. They obviously didn't hit so, well, but they played well enough to win, like you said. So not everything has a theme or underlying issue or someone's fault. Example A uh, is Friday night, and then when it clearly is a one thing on one person's shoulders, example B, uh, Sunday. Um, I, I got really bored on Friday. I want to read you off some statistics, okay? Tell me if this is good. Uh, and this was obviously before Friday night. I don't know what the numbers would be after Friday night. When Gunner gets 0-1 on a hitter, and this is SEC and Texas Tech, uh, hitters hit 065 and have a 222 OPS. They have one hit this year. Um, in 1-2 or 0-2 counts, they hit .023 with a 148 OPS on Gunner. In two-strike counts, they hit .054 with a 223 OPS. Like, that dude is absurd. I, I think, frankly, uh, looking back, I kind of went back and watched the start on Friday, and I went back and watched the start against Arkansas Saturday morning when I was kind of bored. Uh, frankly, Gunner's been a little unlucky this year. Uh, he's been incredibly just, unlucky. Yeah, I, he he's been just ab- and people are doing like, and I get it. The uh, the Casey threw nine innings of one hit baseball. Should you move him back to Friday night? It's like no, Hell no. Like, like Gunner is awesome. He's had some really crappy luck. Um, he's gonna be fine. And, you know, he's got a 2.12 ERA in SEC play. Gunner is awesome and, and, frankly, ran into a good bit of bad luck on Friday night and ran into some really bad luck on Saturday against Arkansas. I mean, hell, I can think of two starts off the top of my head where his defense hasn't picked him up either, Alabama and Florida, to say the least. It's not just a run support thing. You're right, he's gotten lucky on a couple breaks, a couple pitches as well. But I, I, would, I would argue he's been very – like, he's pitched well enough to have kind of a uh, – well, he gets no runs. All SEC year. But I'd say it's beyond the run support. I think he's gotten unlucky in a couple other facets that you just outlined as well. Um, I don't know why the hell anyone would want to move Nikhazy back to Friday. You're getting the greatest version of him on Saturdays. I thought I thought Ben put it pretty well. I think he tweeted it Saturday. Oh, man. So, so hold on. Hold on. Before you finish this, let me be very clear. Uh, Colin said this to Ben on the way home from, from Duty Noble on Friday night. But go ahead. Okay. that's, that's, that's a classic, go, go ahead. Classic Ben Garrett. <laughs> I honestly should have asked you this if, if this was a stolen take for whatever. He's a great stopper, and he and he, I think he embraces that role. I think particularly – I don't have any stats to back this up, but, how, I mean, I, I swear when things go bad on a Saturday – on a Friday night, you get a better version of him. I think there's part of him that relishes that role of I – mean, Christian Trent relished that role. It's the famous story of – I wrote a story for, uh, for Super Talk a while back on Holt Perdzok's double, and Sykes Orvis tells a great story – about how they lose that game one, Ellis pitched terrible or whoever it was, and no one's really talking, and they're eating the pregame meal, getting back on the bus, and Trent's walking around patting his shoulder. <laughs> and one of them finally laughed or someone – wasn't laugh, I don't guess. But whoever it was was like – one of the assistants was like, dude, what the hell are you doing? And he goes, season's right here, boys. I got this shit. And then just got up on the bus. Like, he kind of relished that stopper role. I think he does the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a stopper role. He, since he's entered the rotation and the, the weekend against SEC teams, they've lost nine times, which is kind of an absurd thing when you say that out loud. They've lost nine times on Friday night uh, – ten times, excuse me um, – since he's entered the rotation and or the game before. I, I shouldn't say just on Friday night. There is an SEC tournament. There's a Super Regional. Doug McKay's nine and one in those games. Um, 
when it when you need him to bounce back, he's the dude that's able to do it. Um, and there's and I and I told and we joked about this. I told Ben this as I was driving home from Duty Noble on Friday night. I was like, "Look, I love Gunnar Hoagland. He's one of the best pitchers that's ever came through this program." If you told me I was going to be down 0-1 in Starkville, Mississippi on Super Bulldog weekend, I have the guy on the mound that I want on the mound tomorrow. And he showed why. I mean, he he is an absolute – he doesn't get bothered. He doesn't – nothing gets to him. And I don't really think it does with Gunner either, but it just kind of looks more mound pre- – like he has more mound presence. He's more poised. He looks like and he has man. a purpose with everything he's doing from the time he steps out of the dugout. Even yeah, when he, he grabs the baseball back and, like, kind of gets back to the mound, you can tell that he, like, I don't know. To me, it, it may be, obviously, to some degree, it's the case with, with most every college pitcher. But to me, Doug looks like he has a plan and it's well thought out for every batter he faces. And you can see that with his motions. Um, I, look, like, we can go ahead and start the compliment train for what he did Friday – or, excuse me, Saturday. It's as good of a regular season performance as they've had in a Mike Bianco era. You know, the Drew Pomerantz game against Virginia, whoever it was, would probably number one, Christian Trent going seven shutout against uh, Lafayette in that super. But regular season, it, there's no way anyone has topped it. Could top this, right? No, absolutely not. Um, no, I and I think it was frankly better than than Trent's performance. I mean, Trent was great. Don't get me wrong. Trent went seven and gave up an earned run. I mean, you talk about nine innings pitched, or, or Trent went seven and gave up a run. I don't know if the, the run was earned or not, but um, yeah, I mean. I, I kind of went back when Gunner went eight against Starkin or Auburn and gave up like four hits. I was like, is this the most dominant performance ever, you know, in the regular season? And Jeff Robertson tweeted at me. He was like, nah, Stephen Head threw a nine-inning uh, nine shutout where he gave up two hits and struck out 12 after closing the game on Friday night. And I was like, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. No, nah, Doug beat him. <laughs> so <laughs> it took about four weeks, but I found one that was better than Heads that day. Can I put – can I present one that no one – for good reason, too, will ever remember, but is probably on the Mount Rushmore of dominant regular season performances. Do you have any idea where I'm going with this? Can you give me a season. 2017. 2017. No idea. Really? No. You should – there's no way – well, uh, you, maybe. There's no way any normal person that watches Ole Miss baseball (laughs) should remember this. James MacArthur against Arkansas. Against Arkansas on on Thursday night. Yeah, excuse me, it was a Thursday night. You're exactly right. Went eight innings of one run, one hit baseball. (laughs) Is that good? Man, they tried for another year and a half to get anything close out of that out of him, and it just didn't happen. But, boy, that night he was good. And you know who closed off the game? Will Etheridge. That's that's right. Will was a uh, a closer. I say closed off. It was a nine-to-one game, but he finished it off. Yeah, I remember actually being pissed off they brought Etheridge in that game. But so that's actually an interesting point. You know, you talk about the Doug. I didn't. I didn't know if Mike would let him finish. You know, Doug throws 120 some odd pitches. Mike, that's kind of a blast from the past. Mike doesn't usually let guys do that, but I'm glad he did on this occasion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it wasn't high stress pitches. People were freaking out. Oh, he threw 122. He's gonna have Tommy John. Look, he's a 21 year old kid. He's gonna be fine. Um, they're going to take really good care of this week. 122 pitches when you're up nine to nothing is not 122 when you're up two to nothing. They didn't get a guy to freaking second base. It's, it's going to be all right. He was, he was perfectly, perfectly fine. Um, here's a little bit of an issue that when I went through counting up, uh, how Doug responds after Ole Miss losses and like 
yeah, he's pretty good. But also, did you realize Ole Miss is five and nine in their last 14 Friday SEC games when you go back to 19? They do not win a whole lot of Friday night games right now. No, they haven't. And that, that was – I you know, Will Wetheridge was a fine pitcher, but he was not a true ace, and they just didn't have a better option. And so I think that played into it a lot. And then the other half of that stat, aside from, you know, a handful in 2020 before the shutdown, like Gunner just hadn't gotten much help. Ole Miss has not been very good offensively. You know, I, th- I thought the 19 portion of it was probably Will Etheridge just not really having the same level of stuff and talent, like pure raw talent that a lot of the guys had that he was pitching against every night. He's a good pitcher. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think he was a true ace of a staff. Whereas Gunner's just like we covered earlier, just kind of gotten unlucky. Um, let's ask this. You know, we talked about kind of both games at this point. Does this weekend for you change your thought process as to what Ole Miss can do in the postseason? Yes, because of the bullpen. Okay, but let me ask, what is different from this weekend that wasn't present last weekend? You're probably right there. I guess maybe this weekend in the vacuum doesn't change that. I guess the only difference in thought was Saturday, Sunday's game last weekend just kind of turned into a clown show. Eh, okay, whatever. But uh, I don't know. I think today changed it. The fact that Mike went with Josh Mallett instead of going straight to Taylor Broadway because he doesn't trust anyone else. And to be honest, I texted you after the Friday night game. I didn't hate putting Derek Diamond in in a 3-2 game. Um, in relief, or was it two two at the time? It was no, two-two. it was three. It, no, it was three to two. If they would have put him in two to two instead of Broadway, uh, I would have gotten arrested. Okay, so I didn't hate the 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 diamond move at all. And you mentioned it too. You just said you kind of want to see what you had. But to me, that's partially indicative of not trusting any very many other people to put up a zero. Sure, because well, if you trust anybody, you could put Taylor Broadway. Um, because you don't really care that he threw 20 pitches on a Friday because you got other dudes that can back him up, but you don't have that right now. Um, I thought both decisions were indicative of that. The Mallets thing is just like, okay, was he on drugs? I didn't – there's no justifying that. But I think the way he managed the bullpen and partially the way he kind of let Doug go back out there and finish it out was the fact that – granted, it became a novelty thing by the end of it. But keep letting him go despite sitting those long innings is because he doesn't trust anyone back there. And so, you know, when it's getting in Mike's head, that's probably what would change my thinking. That would be my answer to that. Let, let me ask you this, um, and, and I talked about this with, with my group message after the series. This bullpen's not good right now. Let's just, let's just hypothetically play this out because I think both of us kind of agree Ole Miss is going to have very little issue hosting a regional. When we talk about they're nine and six right now, they have nine games before they make regional decisions. Uh, six of those are against bad teams in LSU and A&M. Uh, three of them are against South Carolina, who they should beat at home. Ole Miss is going to have very little issue, in my opinion, hosting a regional. Um, when we talk about this team from a postseason perspective, I think this team really matches up well with a Super Regional because you've got a freak show on Friday. you got a freak show on Saturday. Um, gonna be re- I think this team is really – I think this team is more vulnerable in a regional. Um, if that kind of makes sense, that sounds a little weird, but I kind of think if they get through a regional, they really set up well um, over the weekend. Sure, well, this you bull- have your two dudes shove, and you're probably better in game three than most of them. Just don't let it get to the bullpen. Well, well my thing is, if I'm in a regional, there's no way – and I still have – if I'm in a regional, I still have the same bullpen issues. There's no way in hell, right, like you just say, Drew McDaniel's my game three pitcher. Like, don't you sell out at that point to go two and oh? 
and just figure out game three and we'll just we'll score a billion runs and figure it out uh yes i agree i agree with that but so part of this bullpen issue though to me you know they've had other teams where they couldn't have your bullpen issues and it was just like okay no matter who you ran out there all these guys have stunk to me he's not giving some very valid candidates to fix this thing opportunity yeah that's what sucks is man, let's let's see what brandon johnson can do like let's see what and and look i get it with Dowdery not going this weekend but like let's see what Dowdery can do that may have been honestly and you couldn't have, you couldn't have done this but if they would have had to take two this is where i didn't like what mike did in the bullpen on saturday uh tyler myers was getting loose in a nine to nothing game and if doug would have given up a runner he would have come out why is jack Dowdery not getting loose in that situation um, and look, I'm, I'm micro, you know, I'm, I'm getting on him for some really, you know, minute stuff here, but like, isn't that the situation where you kind of see what the kid's made of? Yeah, I agree. Uh, just see if he has it. See if he, you know, it's still that stage. I, I agree. Um, and then, you know, I, I just, honest, though, like you mentioned again, the kids pitched one college game in his life, one college inning, but if you ran him out there today, it would have, no, I would have had no problem. None. Not one problem if Jack Dowdery takes the mound today. Yeah. No, he'd he'd have had a a leash shorter than God knows what, but I'd I wouldn't have had an issue if they ran him out there. I'm not belaboring the point, but why is Josh Malice's leash that short? <laughs> not that short. Anyway, I, I agree though. Um, another thing that I, you know I thought Ole Miss was really really good and frankly rather relentless. Um, offensively on Saturday, I mean they got the leadoff man in what like five or six innings in a row. And, you know, Will Bednar, you know, he had some command and location issues. But man, he's got great stuff. Early in that game, he threw three – who was the last out of the first – Bench. He, bench. he threw three, three pitches. Not hittable. Not yes. hittable. It was the nastiest thing I've ever seen. It, it looks like some of the major league stuff you see on Pitching Ninja's thing. Like, I bet there's no there, – that had to make it. Maybe he didn't see it. I don't know. I haven't checked. But uh, my point being, he's been really good. And Ole Miss got after his ass from the start. I mean, they drew yeah. – and there wasn't even really a ton of walks. I mean, they just hit the shit out of him. They had 17 hits. I thought Saturday was among their better offensive performances of the year. Maybe their best one. They were uh, they were just kind of relentless. That's why I kind of had some confidence that they were going to score 10 to 11 today and just, just weren't able to get it done. But, yeah, they were, they were really good, really good. You get 17 hits against a guy like that in that environment. Yeah, really good. Um, that's, you know, and – that performance is why I thought, all right, well, they're going to rip the cover off the ball on Sunday, and for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't, and I maybe could offer you a reason that it didn't happen. I wrote about this, and I think we discussed it on the podcast, when El- Tim Elko went down, that this was going to have to be a replacement by committee, and particularly the top five guys could not afford to be bad for an entire weekend. Like, they needed all five of those dudes. They need Gonzalez, Chatagnier, Bench, Graham and Dunhurst. Those are the five. They need them to be good and be factors every single weekend. And I could I could maybe throw out a point, and this is not on his shoulders per se, but why they weren't consistent offensively this weekend or as consistent. Kevin, Kevin Graham had a rough weekend. He had one He's hit. Bad. Yeah. And he's he had a bases loaded spot Friday, if I'm not mistaken, that he couldn't get out of. No, so no, that, he's no, that, hitter, that. He's been good all year, but I, you know, when you look at the DNA of this team and you're looking for reasons when they do struggle, those five have to be pretty good throughout the course of a weekend, and one of their best horses wasn't. Yeah, the bases loader was uh, was Dunhurst. Graham actually walked right before it, but yeah, you're right, not man. great. 
not great. God, that that at bat. Well, I guess we actually should have talked about that. That at bat changed the game on Friday night because if Dunhurst is able to not swing at ball four in the dirt, and let me, I couldn't tweet this because so I can't like verify that I thought it. Uh, that ball four he swung at, like Hayden Dunhurst is one of the more disciplined players I've ever seen play at Ole Miss from a hitting perspective. If he swung at a curveball on the dirt on ball four with the bases loaded, that thing must have been filthy. Um, but, yeah, Graham, Graham had a tough weekend. And, and, you know, it sucks for Graham, right, because he's been awesome. But, man, when he has a bad weekend, this offense just can't go. And, you know, obviously they had the one game on Saturday, but I don't think anybody would confuse this offense with being anything good. I would write them a B-minus for the Oh, Friday weekend. on Sunday. I'd put B-minus as my grade. Yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, are you talking about for the totality of the weekend? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's probably fair. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think that's probably a reason, like, why they weren't consistent. And again, it's going to happen. Kevin Graham's going to be fine. I was just pointing that out, that when you look at the te- this version of this team without Tim Elko, all five of those dudes got to be great. Hayden Leatherwood becoming a real sixth guy where they just kind of have to figure out the bottom three spots, which I think we got questions about. Well, no, I mean, McCants was awesome this weekend, so it's kind of seven now. Yeah, it, it really is. That's a good point. I'm, I'm discounting McCants, and I shouldn't do that. Um, and he, he almost could be thrown into that group of five same way the way he's They got to get him out of center field, though. They do. So when he's playing alongside Plumley, why is Plumley in right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing for you. No idea. But no idea. So that's, that's kind of – why they probably struggled a little bit offensively, but uh, Saturday, man, they were good. They got after their ass, and um, that was uh, that was a. I imagine for Ole Miss fans, that was a hell of a game to watch because they just kept going and going and going and didn't let up, which I thought was maybe going to end up being important if Nikhazy left and the bullpen got hairy. But uh, Nikhazy just decided he was going to finish this thing himself, and uh, I feel like we haven't given that enough uh, a deserved. Yeah, loss. that mean, was a hell of a lot of fun to watch, man. I was eating crawfish with a couple people on the back porch. <laughs> Um, and my girlfriend included, and she could give a rat's ass about baseball, but she thought, even thought that was impressive. So, congrats. Yeah, no, they, he was awesome. He was absolutely awesome. And, and, look, that's what Ole Miss needs when you when you talk about, you know, a team that has bullpen issues. That means your Friday and Saturday guys have to be really good, and, and they were. Um, talk about so not getting rattled. What bigger stage are you going to pitch on on duty noble field at Saturday of Super Bulldog? You talk about not getting rattled. He thrived. No, no he was awesome. Um, so, Look, I, I, when I look at this team, man, you know, and, and just from the totality of the weekend, I don't look. I don't think anybody with, you know, any baseball sense can can say that Ole Miss is better than Arkansas or Ole Miss is better than Mississippi State right now. They're not. I still think Ole Miss is a really, really good baseball team. And I think what's going to happen, and, and I'm pretty confident in this, is they're going to go home and they're going to get right. Like, I, I think, look, I watched LSU play all three games against South Carolina. They suck. Marceau is going to be a problem on Thursday. Gunner's better, though. And Ole Miss hits better than LSU. Ole Miss is – I don't do this much. I think Ole Miss sweeps this weekend. And, and I know it's LSU and that's dangerous and all that. But I'm telling you, man, like LSU – so, like, think about this. They're a 4-8 and eight team – or, excuse me, they're a 3-9 and nine team. They went on Thursday night. They're playing a 7-inning game on Saturday. They're up 2 to nothing in the top of the 7th and blow the game, just get run out of the stadium in the second game. Like, that just looks like a team that's going to quit. Uh, yeah, I was even maybe a little bit earlier on this than, than you. I don't know. We're about the same. I just think they suck. I've watched them play three or four they games. They suck. I agree. I'm not going to lock into a sweep yet, but I, I don't think this is 
there's any version of this where they're anything other than bad. I just think they suck. It's yeah, injuries, it's, it's it's them not. They were going to be bad. But, they were going to be pedestrian last year, in my opinion. Had the season not shut down, and then you lose uh, uh the, whoever the, what the kid Hill the kid Jaden Hill, and uh they they just stink. I just don't think they're very good. So, but my my thing is all right when you talk about this team and what they can do. Well, Ole Miss has played two teams in SEC play that they were clearly better than. They swept both of them. I, I think you remember the 2016 team that never really that never really beat anybody in a series that was that good, but they swept everybody that they were better than. I think the way Ole Miss's problems line up, right, and like hear me out here, I think that's a real reality for this team this year because I think Gunner's going to dominate bad teams. I think Doug's going to dominate bad teams. I think Drew's going to be really good against bad teams. So what that allows you is, hey, your bullpen is going to pitch against bad teams and they're not going to have to pitch a ton of innings. You're going to score plenty of runs. Like I just, I just kind of think the way this – if this makes sense, like this team's issues align themselves with being really – not being a real issue against bad teams. 16th team is a great example because I remember that season vividly. They swept their way into what should have been a national seed. They just got robbed by LSU because LSU wears purple and gold. Congrats. But they were a regional host and it should have been a national seed that year because of the way they swept to it. And they didn't really beat anyone great in the regular season. They opened an SEC play. They back into the series against Tennessee, who's not going to yep. come. South Carolina swept them in Oxford. They were ranked number 10 at the time. Number yep. five, Mississippi State. They lost two out of three. They did sweep number 21, Arkansas, in what may, remains one of them. No, no, no. Let me be very clear. That was an Arkansas team that didn't make postseason. They fell apart. Okay, fair enough. So that kind of adds in the narrative. They lost two of three at Alabama. They swept yep. Auburn. They Bad team. beat two of three. They're, they're, they're defining series win. They took a series at home against a pretty good LSU team. Okay, yeah. Yeah, they were but that's it. Eight at the time. That was it. One, two, or three at Georgia, swept Kentucky, and then lost two or three at A&M at a time they were ranked number two in the country. Like I said, other than OSU, they didn't really beat anyone good. You can sweep your way to being a national team. That team, if you're trying to do the math in your head, won 18 league games. Yes. And, you know, so I, I've said, look, they're going to they're gonna give national seeds out after 24 games. I've said this team needs to go – I'll ask you. I said this team needs to be 15-9 and nine after 24 to get a national seed. That's six and three over the next – three series I don't really think they're going to have a much issue going six and three over the next three series it's South Carolina it's LSU at home South Carolina at home A&M on the road I I think they're going to be perfectly fine going six and three I agree uh I, the one thing I would say maybe to add to that is one take care of business against LSU this weekend if you sweep and kind of give yourself a leg up to win sure. two, games in two weekends good for you you don't need to throw a dud the next weekend against South Carolina. South Carolina is good enough to where if you don't play well, they could come in here and take the sure. series. Ole Miss is better than them. Um, because if you throw a dud against South Carolina or something, and like even like say you, I'm not, I don't think this will happen, but just say they laid an egg and lost two out of three after taking two or three LSU, you're going to Texas A&M trying to win a series basically to be a national seed. I think they would probably do it, but man, that's a precocious place to be. Well, no, you'd have to sweep at that point if you only won two versus LSU. No, um, you're right. You're right. You're exactly right. Um, so, yeah. yeah exactly. Not agree. a great place to be. And so here's the thing I think Ole Miss needs to do. Um, there's, there's eight national seeds, obviously, which means there's going to be eight 
places that host a super regional. Um, just, uh, I think this is how this works. You can correct me if you've seen anything different. They're going to name the 16 host sites. They're going to name the eight national or the eight super regional sites. The eight super regional sites will be from the 16 host sites. Okay. Um, I don't think, and Chase Porham made this point on Twitter, he doesn't think there's going to be five SEC teams that get, you know, five of the eight national seeds. I tend to agree with him. So now at this point, you have to beat out Tennessee, Mississippi State uh, to get one of those four. Well, okay, let's think about this. Mississippi State over the next three series has Vanderbilt, A&M at home, South Carolina. That could very, very easily be four and five. You talk about going one and two against South Carolina, uh, maybe getting swept at Vanderbilt, which is a real possibility. Anytime Vanderbilt plays, they can sweep. And then, you know, if you sweep, if you sweep A&M, it's still four and five. Full Miss is able to make up two games on Mississippi State. I think they probably overtake them. So it kind of feels like that's why today sucked. It kind of feels like Ole Miss, if they can overtake Mississippi State in SEC record over the next three weeks, they've got a real shot at stealing a national seed from them. That's why I think they're this this like get well time, like when you're playing a team in LSU and A&M that's not going to make the NCAA tournament. And a team gets South Carolina, it's pretty good, probably going to host regional, but that you're better than. I kind of feel like this this is kind of coming at the perfect time too. I, I agree, and that uh, we made that point when, uh, or somewhat of that point when, when it was announced it was going to be predetermined, like not having to play Vanderbilt when it matters for seeding. And I don't think Georgia's any good, but just a road trip to end the year, like is is, is fairly important. But particularly Vanderbilt. Um, the other side of that coin, and not to be that guy, but this has been a managerial decision theme podcast today. Doesn't crush Ole Miss at all. I think they're in okay shape. But it does make the math a little harder. But, man, if you could have just gotten one of the last three Sunday wins and two yep. of those were because you didn't have a chance from the gate because your starters stink because you didn't make a move, you'd be looking at this in a lot different light even if you'd lost sure. the series the way you did today. Sure. That's, that's why you need to sweep A&M or LSU and get one of those games back. Because if you're 12-6 and six after next weekend, man, like if you're 12-6 and six after next weekend, you've essentially won six series, right? I know you haven't, but you're essentially going two and one in six series. Um, so that's why I think, frankly, look, we talked about this team having some margin for error, um, and, and they, they did. I think that margin for error is gone, though. Like, I don't think there is any more you can drop this series. I think the only margin for error left, frankly, is Vanderbilt. If you drop that series, as long as you win the others, you'll be fine. Um, so if you want to, you want to screw up somewhere, you better figure out a way to sweep LSU or Texas A&M. I agree with that. I think the margin for error is gone. Um, I'm just curious, you know, you talk about this team and their goals and all that. We can get it. We'll get into the questions and then get into the bullpen issue a little more in depth before we get out of here. The counter argument I would present to you is kind of a, <laughs> if this team is that good and that elite, how many elite teams lose three series in a row? Um, I didn't. I didn't. I don't. I didn't call them elite. Just said they could make a. No, no, no. I, I, I feel like I'm putting words into your mouth. What we thought that we thought potentially going into the year, this team could quote unquote be elite. But how many teams that have been maybe one of the last four standing in Omaha, or even just the eight for Omaha? Like how many of the eight teams that make it to Omaha this year would have lost three series in a row? No, that's a good point. Um, I do think that you know you have to. You're right. Not elite teams usually don't lose three series in a row, and teams that make college world series usually don't do that. You're right. I do think there is a little bit of all right, we got to get right after we lost our best player. I think they should be afforded a little bit more time with that. Um, 
because frankly, I can make an argument. They win both of these series with Tim Elko. Um, I can make that argument. Not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong, but I can make it. Um, so, you know, let me know how they do over the next three weekends. I, I think that's going to tell me because, frankly, look, look now, if this team's a national seed, let's just give them, say, they're the six or seven seed. There's a scenario where you don't have to beat a hell of a lot of good teams to get to the College World Series either. Like, yeah, you got to win a Super Regional, no doubt. That could be versus a two seed that upsets somebody in a, in a regional or whatever. Be against an East Carolina who's an 11 seed who I think Ole Miss is better than. You don't necessarily have to beat Arkansas or Mississippi State or even Florida to get to the College World Series. Agreed. Um, and I was just looking back at it. I was trying to like make a counterpoint for you in the fact that, say, the 2019 team was a game away and they did it. But even in their bad stretch, they actually never lost three series in a row. I was a little surprised by that. Um, yeah. But now, you know, there, I, I would venture to say I actually did – Look this up. I think Ole Miss's strength of schedule, SEC-wise, was third in the league. And you talk about the next 15 games, they're coming against the team teams that have a combined losing record uh, in the league. You're talking about three teams uh, in Georgia, LSU, and at Texas A&M, who if this tournament started today, uh, two would have no prayer and Georgia would be on the outside looking in. So real, real chance to make up some hate there too now. Yeah, it's kind of everything's in front of them. The margin for error is gone. But if you do what you're supposed to do over the next three weeks, you can, you know, you can kind of put these three, particularly these last two series losses that have kind of stung to bed and render them essentially moot. Other than, and there's an aspect of this I'll get to in a minute about Mike's perception and losing to the state program across from him. But let's get to the questions. And then if there's sure. anything left over, we'll hit them. Um, good God, there's a lot of questions. Most of these are just comments. Worst pitching decisions since? Ever, my answer. Yeah. Um, Pure decision. I. That's the one of the stranger. I don't want to. That's one of the odder logic-defined things I've ever seen a college or a professional manager do. You know what I? The only thing I could equate it to. Do you Blake remember that? Who? Blake Snell coming well, out of the game. That's a good one. But okay, the defense of that is they went stuck with the plan they did. They had done all year, and I guess you could call Mike using. Oh, 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 Mike. Mike stuck this plan. That's a good point. You know what I thought of, though? Um, Buck Showalter in that wild card game in Toronto not using Zach Britton and the guy hits yeah, the game goes over. That, that was good. That was good. I also thought you said another word there. What? When you said Buck Showalter. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, I could. That's why I podcast would know. Buck Showalter I, in that podcast. In that game. I said that word a lot about 3 o'clock today. <laughs> The uh, but seriously, in terms of like, because I remember sitting there that night, I watched that game with my dad, and even when managers, or it happens in sports in general, when people make decisions that don't understand, I always try to make a try to make a case for what they were thinking or what they were doing or what they had in mind. And ninety nine times out of a hundred, you can do it, even if it's a stupid decision, you don't agree with it. I can't even begin to describe or articulate or paint the picture of what he was thinking. You I think, just want to go to the seventh, but the, it, the, that, that doesn't excuse the pitchers he used. You think Ubaldo Jimenez might not have been as good of an option as Zach Britton? Is that your, is that your point? That was my point. And that was the point where, I mean, everyone on, I mean, that was one of the early, earlier days of Twitter, but that's everyone tweeting the same thing. Where is Zach Britton? Everyone was tweeting today. Where is Taylor Broadway? That, that should probably tell you something, but, that was the only other time that I can think of really any sport where someone makes a decision and I was like, I just – I don't know what he did. Maybe Les Miles spiking it with one second left and blaming it on his player in 09. Well, that was good. That was good. That I, was I good. can't make the case. 
So I, my answer to this guy's question is ever. What's yours? I got, I got nothing. <laughs> I got absolutely nothing. Nothing. Not one thing. And, you know, I nothing. I, I Honest to God, I've tried to think back through uh, 20 years of Mike Bianco making decisions, and I cannot think of one dumber than what happened today. I can't. I I can't either. So my our both of our answers are ever. Uh, should Mike Bianco's seat be blazing hot? No, God, no, not no. yet. Well, okay. What gets his seat blazing hot? Um, if this team doesn't end up earning a national seed and doesn't make it out of a regional, okay. Not blazing hot. Blazing hot's a little different. But, you yeah. know, he's kind of had this revitalization because of how good the – you know, he comes up a game short in Omaha uh, in 2019. You have the Black Monday where everyone was ready to kill him again in 18. Um, in 20, they started so well. But, I mean, there's still an element to he's Mr. February, if you want to call him that. Like, like if, he, if this team ends up underachieving and continues to play this way, I don't think they will. But that would get people kind of like, okay, now it's 21 years with one Omaha appearance. That narrative would spark up quickly. Quicker well, sure, but I don't think – like, there's a lot of scenarios that end with this team not in the College World Series that I don't think make Mike Bianco's seat hot. No, I agree. That's why I said regional. Yeah, yeah, they, they need to win. They need to be in a super regional. I'll, I'll go with that, especially when you talk about what they have in, in game one and two. Yeah, sure, they need to be in a super regional, and that regional needs to be at home. I think if that regional is at home and Ole Miss is in a super regional, then I don't think that there's anything that's going to be viewed as a negative from Mike Bianco. Why do we do what we do, Holland? Ben? Uh, I, asked, I asked myself this morning when I woke up with a deathly hangover after drinking too many beers at a hockey game. So I asked I went, that question a lot. I went to church this morning because I thought it would help, and it didn't. So. You're making me feel bad. I did not go to church this morning. Well, I, I thought it would help. I, my Saturday night yelling pucks in deep, pucks on net, because those are the only two hockey terms I know. Um, yeah, well. We watched the game. That was kind of fun. Yeah. Well, I, I, I went to church and was like, you know what? Maybe this will make Drew McDaniel pitch good. Well, it kind of did. Maybe, maybe it did work. Sounds like you're asking the same question she is. Why do we do what we do? I don't know why I do half the things I do. My mom would like to know the answer to that. <laughs> Uh, the next one, sticking with the theme here, Hunter Bailey asks why. Colin, have a few drinks and tell us how you really feel, Rowdy. I think I did. I think I did that. I, uh, I can honestly. I was about I, to say you were you were you were tame, but right to the point. Not, not, I can. You were not melting down, but you're right to the point. I honest to God mean this. So I'll say this: I was not mad when Ole Miss lost to Tennessee Tech in 18. I wasn't. I was not pissed. Um, I was disappointed, and it sucked. And But, like, there was nothing I could get mad at. Like, they just lost. Um, I was that not mad. Before you, before you finish, was anyone mad? It was mostly just from – and I was in Cincinnati, but it was mostly just bitter sadness. Because yeah. it wasn't a decision per se. It was just a choke job, and it was like, wow, that team was so fun. They didn't deserve it. I think sad was that general consensus. Sure. Go ahead. I, I was not mad in, in 19 when they lost the, the game in, in Fayetteville. Um, I was pissed today. Like, I, I, I've, it's been a long time since I was, like, genuinely pissed off about an Ole Miss result. Uh, I, I, I was really pissed off today. That, that one, it, it, it bothers me. And, and, it bothers me when the players on the field play well enough to win and the guy making decisions screws it up. Um, and as someone that's a coach, like, let me be very clear. I, I've screwed up a game before. 
absolutely. And, and I get it. Um, but you know, that, that, that bothers me when, when the guy that's paid seven figures to, to make decisions makes a decision that, that screws his kids, that, that one, that, that's when I get pissed off. I think you hit the heart of the issue for, uh, too, because if people, uh, you know, I've made this case so many times, whether it's just talking to you or just being on the podcast, I think working in the media industry, um, you know, for any length of time, particularly a sport like baseball, where you cover so many games and you're at the ballpark so often, um, you can't do your job fully well if you're a true reporter. Like, I'm just some random asshole with the podcast now, like I said. Like, I'm not a reporter anymore. That is not my job. I write my thoughts and I make jokes and then I say them on the podcast. And I don't, my point being where I'm going with that is, you know, people always love the, oh, you're a fan, you're not a fan thing. I know people do that with Neil a lot. You can't do the job you're supposed to do if you're emotionally wrapped up and invested in the team or the game. The team is a, maybe I'm old fashioned, but the team is a story and your job is to chronicle the story. So I say all that to say is, you know, I know I graduated from Ole Miss. I know that was the program I covered for a while. I genuinely do not give a shit whether they win or lose. It just doesn't bother me. You've become numb to everything. And it does the same thing. I talked to you about this the other day with my Cubs fandom. It just kind of died off. When you start working in it and you view everything as a story more so than like something, your attachment. I still get emotional sometimes about the Tennessee Titans. That's probably the only thing I had left. But with all of that said, that's a long-winded way of saying, I still generally don't care. Today pissed me off. I had to turn it off to watch golf. But it pissed me off because of what you said. A decision that makes no sense to where the kids that were playing on the field were in a position to win the game. And the manager did something, not a bad decision. He didn't take a risk and it didn't work out. He made a decision that you can't justify. And that was incredibly annoying to me. Does that make yeah. any sense? Yeah. I mean, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, I, that's kind of one of the reasons I, I wound up getting out of journalism because I was never not going to be able to care about Ole Miss. Um, I remember sitting there in 2018, the day Tennessee Tech played, like technically covering them. And it's like, I, I can't, like, I have to go write about this now and I want to just cry. So I can't keep doing this. Um, so, By yeah, the way, I, don't sell yourself short. You would not, you would become apathetic if you covered the Matt Luke years too. I promise it would do it to anybody, but go ahead. <laughs> but I was, I just, I wanted to cry. And so, um, you know, it, that's that that's why like because and I don't mean to sound like arrogant or whatever but like I've been around like a lot of Ole Miss baseball I've, I've you know seen a lot of stuff like I they're going to lose baseball games Ole Miss losing baseball games just losing them like I was not upset on Friday night whatsoever I was extremely not you know, apathetic is not the right word because I still cared but like it was it just that bothered. sure I was still confident that Ole Miss could win the series. Um, because I didn't think Friday was indicative of anything. Sunday, that that one bothered me a lot. And I, I've not been bothered by a lot of Ole Miss baseball losses in my lifetime because, you know, I think a lot of the time, frankly, Ole Miss just has lost games that, you know, bounces don't go their way or whatever. This was not a bounce going the wrong way. This, this, was, this was malpractice, and it's a shame, frankly, that Mike didn't have to answer for it. I got incredibly annoyed for about five minutes, and then I texted you because you were asking me about something that was still going on in the game, and I said, I'm watching golf, and I have cracked open a beer. Well, they had the, they had the bases loaded the next inning, and I just kind of thought, all right, if Bench gets a hit here, it's 7-6, you got a shot. He did not get a hit. 
But I, so I turned it and watched golf because for about five, I had a realization sitting on this couch. I was like very annoyed. And then I was like, Mike Bianco oh. is 500 miles away affecting my mood on a Sunday. I'm not going to uh, have this. I stopped watching and got in my car and drove for a little while after, after Allen hit the double. Like I, and I turned Kellum on eventually, but I was just like, I'm, I'm not watching this anymore. Also, when it got to four four, and then he brings Broadway in it, like Broadway. That, then I, I was, that like, made me even more mad. But didn't that, you? That, did you feel what was coming? Like there was no other no. scenario other than hitting a home run. I thought. I thought one hundred percent. I know how good Broadway is, but like I don't know. I felt like the gods, if you believe in the baseball gods, would were absolutely giving Mike a spanking for being a dumb dumb. Yeah, no, that's that that part's fair. I actually thought Broadway would get out of it just because he's been that good. But I knew when it was two oh what I knew when he went two oh and Kellum said he's just off flight two, I was like, Well, please hit it hard right at somebody. And there's a part of me, and this is just a baseball thing. This is not me blaming Mike for doing this. Uh there's a part of me in that situation. I just walk in the run. I'm not going down seven four. I'll just walk in the run. I'll start over with a three-hole hitter, and I'll try to let my offense figure it out. Okay, so that's another element to this that I uh, I just kind of now noticed. If you could make the de- – if the decision could be possibly any worse, he takes uh, McDaniel out when they're going through the bottom of the order. Yes. He's offense all weekend. Outside of those couple of dudes at the top, they had not had a very good weekend. They their were horrid. These are Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, uh, probably in reverse order. But then the Cameron James kid behind him, and they have one more, Logan Tanner, all pretty good hitters. After that, they're Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, but they're generally, their lineup after that's kind of toothless. And so he wastes all of those easier outs to then bring in his guy, basically a tie game, to face the other team's best hitter. Why? Unbelievable. So, Just anyway, um, should this team stick to TikTok? You know, I, I, okay. I'm going to say something there. Um, I, we both jumped and saying, go ahead. I, that, that stuff doesn't matter. Like, people get really pissed off about that. I, I was talking to a high school coach this week. He's like, man, if I could get my guys off TikTok, it would be pretty good. TikTok has nothing to do with it. Like, they have lives, they're kids. It's, it's whatever. That, that has nothing to do with the fact that they didn't hit on Friday night and Mike made a stupid decision on Sunday. I, that, that stuff, it bothers me when people get upset about that type of stuff. I was going to go in a similar direction, but slightly different. One, I think the, uh, I think our guy was kidding. Um, I like know I think, he was. I yeah. know he was, but there's some people that aren't. Well, you know, I saw, you know, I saw a couple, like, Mississippi State Twitter accounts, like, tweeting out, uh, you know, former, like, TikToks of shot and yay or whatever. And then, you know, we had the discussion last week about – or we meant to have it on the podcast, but did it. I just forgot because we went so long about how the whole playing the game the right way and the emotion. I think the fact that this team has fun and is comfortable – in its own uh, – collectively comfortable in their own skin might not be the best way to describe it, but it's actually a strength of this team, and it makes them a more enjoyable team to watch. I like the fact that this team has fun and does all that. And, like, you know, Peyton Chatier doing the TikToks and stuff like that. I know that bothers some people, but, like, I don't know. I just feel like you have to be a pretty miserable human to watch some, a bunch of people uh, having fun doing something they like and think, stop doing it like that. I, I, I've never understood that uh, – and again, this is not directed at our question. It just you gave me a launch yeah. to rant a little bit. This probably should have happened last week when there was all kinds of about the way Ole Miss celebrates. I don't get that. They're having fun doing something they like. Like you, you should probably take a look at yourself if that makes you mad. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. So, um, I, oh, go ahead. Do you have something? No, that's it. That's it. 
Do we have to sweep LSU dirty? Oh, oh dirty. Uh, this guy wrote Dirty Mike's obituary in his Twitter name. He said, does Ole Miss have to sweep LSU? No. It'd be nice. Yeah, they need to go six. it would help, but no. They need to go six and three over their next nine. That's what they need to do. Here's so, the bullpen. Do the math. Yeah, good. I'm sorry. Here's the bullpen discussion. Realistic ceiling with this bullpen, Mason King's ass. Your short answer was Omaha. Um, I don't necessarily completely disagree, but, I mean, this is as good a time as any. This shit has to get better. It does. Um, who, who is it? Who is so when if this team is in Nebraska in June or they're in a super in June, who has gotten better? I have three candidates, but I'd like to hear yours. So, all right, I'll give you them, but I, I want to preface it with this. I don't think this bullpen has to get a whole lot better for them to get to the College World Series because of what they have on Friday and Saturday. I, I think there's a world where you go 2-0 and in regional, uh, Drew McDaniel, and then whoever the world else gets you enough outs where you win a 11-8 to game and a finished off, and you win the first two in a Super Regional. Like, I don't think this bullpen to get to the College World Series has to be a lot better. If you're going to do anything in Omaha, if you want to make your life a little bit easier, yeah, absolutely. You got to get better. Uh, Braden Forsyth, Brandon Johnson, Jack Dowdery. You're big on the Jack Dowdery train. That I, 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 the Trackman data bought, bought me in. Interesting. Okay, so mine were Braden Forsyth, Tyler Myers, and then I could not decide between Brandon Johnson just because I had not thought about it enough until you brought it up, brought it up. earlier this week. Um, and then the other one was Austin Miller. And, I, you know, you mentioned a couple of times, and we've talked about this, like how does he get out? I actually did a story on that a long time ago in 19 after what he did to Vanderbilt, which is still one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. He apparently tunnels his pitches to where it looks all the same coming out of his hand, hand better than anyone else. And I know the stuff's not great. I know it doesn't always look great, but that's a guy that's been in big moments and generated a lot of swings and misses and gotten out of a lot of sticky situations for Ole Miss through the last two years. I just don't see this team realizing its complete potential without having a guy that's, one, been good for them in the past, and two, I think there's something to the fact that he's kind of been in the wars. I think that matters. And so that, that's my third one. No, that's completely fair. It'd be nice if he could figure it out. Um, you know, Jackson Kimbrell would be great because he's a left-handed pitcher. I mean, when you you throw only right-handers on Friday and Sunday, that kind of comes back to haunt you at some point. Yeah, I mean, look, they have a bullpen issue, no doubt. I just – I'm of the belief that if you're dominant on Friday and Saturday, you don't have to have a good bullpen to make the College World Series. We talked about the lack of opportunity. Thing. Like, you know, there's some years when they've had a bad bullpen just because no matter who they trot out there sucks. Why is Brandon Johnson not getting an opportunity? Why is Wes Burton not pitching more meaningful innings? Why did Braden Forsythe not pitch at all? And why did Tyler Myers not pitch a second time? I get situation may not have dictated and Saturday's different because of what Doug did. But just in general, this weekend aside, why are they not getting opportunities? And why is Josh Mallett being used seven, six times in SEC play? Got no idea. No idea. And I can't answer that question. It's I cannot answer anything about what he's trying to do with this bullpen. Um, so. I don't know. I put hitting 091 in SEC playoff Burton. Yeah. It's almost That's only three like appearances, but damn. Almost like they should pitch him more. Uh, yes, that is correct. I, 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 but I don't get that. What? Again, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm genuinely sure. like, I, I wish I had answers, but I don't. I have no idea. Well, so, and this kind of goes back to the thing Suss was talking about. It's like, you're probably not as good as you think you are if you don't trust anyone to get outs. But some of these dudes shouldn't be banished for as long as they have. What the hell has Wes Burton done? What has Brandon Johnson done? And Braden Forsythe 
has pitched well enough over the last month and a half that I think what he did early, I say forgiven as if he owes us, owes anyone anything. I think what he did early in the year, his struggles can be forgotten about at this point. Why are they not getting chances? Like I'm almost my, ready to say they suck because he keeps running the same two dudes. My issue with Brandon Johnson is I don't recall, and maybe I'm wrong, I'm not looking at the stat page. Has he done anything wrong? No, no like, he hasn't. Neither has Wes Burton. Yeah, like, I, uh, no, no, what, neither one of those guys should be banished to whatever their role is. I know Burton was getting loose in the ninth today if Broadway had, you know, run out of gas or whatever, but that's too late. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Oh, um, Unbel- uh, the other thing I was going to say off of that, you just what something you just said made me think of something. Uh, Brandon Johnson. Oh, I know the Jack Doherty thing worked. Okay, and I'll give Mike credit for that, and he's got a chance to be good. But why is Brandon Johnson, Braden Forsythe, uh, you know, anyone else, Wes Burton, not getting extensive looks before you rip the red shirt off a freshman in a midweek game? No idea. No, I, I genuinely – this has been the most perplexing year from a pitching standpoint as far as the bullpen goes. I he have no idea what he's just doing. not getting used. No idea. I, Mike has always fallen in love with dudes in the bullpen and just wrote them but like at some point like you know maybe laugh needs to be like hey uh man some of these guys i shouldn't have recruited dude i guess but so before brandon johnson pitched against austin p he hadn't pitched in a month he went 28 days without pitching in a game and you want me to read you his game log it's not long two innings no runs one hit against texas three strikes good no walks he threw uh, he faced one hit, two hitters against UCF, a lot of hit and a walk, whatever. He pitched a scoreless – no, he allowed an unearned run in an inning against Jackson State. One scoreless inning against Auckland. One and a third – one and two-thirds scoreless innings against ULM. He did suck at Louisiana Tech, but, man, that team matched everyone that Ole Miss ran out. That- and pitched – he's had two – and he pitched a scoreless inning against Austin Peay. You, if you count UCF, he's had two bad outings. No idea. No idea. The West Burton thing is one that's the most perplexing. Hell, just, we got time. We always go long on these Sunday. I mean, like, let's just go through that. I'll pull that up real quick. I'm not saying Brandon Johnson's going to end up being good, but why can't we see? My issue with Brandon Johnson, the Jack Dowdery and, and Brandon Johnson, is they're the same pitcher. They both throw kind of hard, both throw strikes. Why did you have to – like, you're right. Why did you need to rip the red shirt off that kid when you had a kid kind of similar to him? I don't know. West no Bur- I mean, let's go through Wes Burton. I, I don't care. I don't even care if this is bad podcasting. I just want it out there. Wes Burton, scoreless inning against Arkansas State in his debut. Scoreless inning a week later against Jackson State. He allowed a run with two walks and didn't retire a batter against Belmont. Kind of stunk there. Scoreless inning against Alcorn. Threw a scoreless inning allowing one hit against ULM. Scoreless inning against Auburn. Faced one batter against Al- – no, excuse me. He pitched a third of an inning and got an out. Matchup deal at Alabama. Scoreless inning against Alcorn and allowed a run last week over two innings on one hit against Arkansas. Who was lighting everyone on fire and he shut them down. He didn't pitch this weekend. Nope. Why? No, 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 let me, no, let me be very clear. Nor should he have pitched this weekend. Because they should have gotten through this weekend with about five pitchers. But that's, you know, he should have obviously been in over mallets. Yes, and you can make an argument. Again, I didn't hate the diamond thing, but make an argument that it 
could have been – I mean, you could have pitched him sure. Diamond. I, I just, there, that, there seems to be a lack of trust without a valid reason, and it wouldn't be as frustrating to where he seems to trust Josh Mallett with zero reason to trust him. It's like continuing to, like, go back to the girlfriend that cheated on you, like, six times. Like, maybe this time will be different. You find her in another dude's truck at 2 a.m. at the Sonic parking lot. It, not to pile on the kid, but it's even worse than that. If the first time you met said girlfriend and she said, you're ugly and you're an asshole, and yet you still keep going back and consider y'all dating, it was never good from the start. Oh, God. At the risk of ranting, I'll move on. Thanks for the question, Mason King. Obvious, uh, John Ashton Hicks asks, obviously Bianco has favorites that he likes to play, as we have seen in the past. Yeah. But other than pure incompetent, what makes you think using two arms before your best reliever in a top six rivalry series is a good idea? We've already um, this. We I, 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 I have stumbled upon a rationale for what Mike did today. I've got it. Stagger in. At, look, let's stagger in on the Cotton District. Had two for one Margs last night. Just saying, maybe Mike went to the Cotton District and came in, you know, maybe not at himself. That's all I got. Theory debunked. He's a red wine guy. He's a red wine guy. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I like the theory, though. Um, I'm just saying. Why take McDaniel out after you get the first out? Again, we, I, I know he, there's no way of knowing this. I don't mean to sound snarky. We covered all of that earlier. But, again, doesn't make any sense. You've been better off with him. You'd have been better off leaving him in too long, and it would have been way more justifiable than anything else that transpired. Yes. Um, and this is just a comment. We have a talented team, he says. Hitting and They're hitting and replacing what we lost with Elko by committee. It just stings to see us lose a game because of Bianco's decision-making. Couldn't agree more. Where does Ole Miss go from here? Three straight series lost. Bullpen is now very much in question. Who can step up and get the big hits with Elko gone? I don't think – I mean, again, the offense kind of stunk today and was, you know, B, solid B on Friday. But look at the sample size of Elko. They've been fine. They've actually almost been better fine. offensively. Almost as fine offensively. They're fine. Look, I'm, I'm going to say something real stupid here. Um, I say Vanderbilt all the time every time we hop on the mic. Go ahead. Outside of Vanderbilt, Ole Miss is not going to take the mound the rest of the year without the better starting pitching. Have they yet? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, Derek Diamond existed. I'm talking about all three games. They oh, will take. Oh, the, I, I see. I see the way you're saying it. Yeah, they will take the mound better on the mound every game. Yeah, unless they catch one of those bad teams at the end of the year and their ace, like they stagger them for Sunday. Remember, dudes used to do that. Just yeah. Then. Georgia's not going to do that. A and M. I mean, I guess LSU. LSU might ought to do that. That's a, that's a decent thought. Should Bianco take a pay cut? And if not, we just keep firing. Let's hold the horses on that. Um, I, although, should he make a donation to somewhere because of that decision? He should donate to the mental health facility he's going to put me in. I would just give it to Wes Burton. I know that's illegal. but um, <laughs> why can't... Hey, hey, maybe he could do it and they could fire him for calls. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um. Jewel Runner says, why can't we have shit? Uh, yeah, I, I feel you, dog. Um, what's it? This is an interesting question from SC Bilbo. I don't know what, I don't know what that means, but anyway. Um, what's it like to interview five after a game like today? Is anyone allowed to ask tough questions? Um, that's actually 
part of this. You've been out there for one. Yeah, you were out there that day at Louisville where he kind of just jumped all over me for no reason. That was the that was the weirdest day because I could ask whatever I wanted. He like answered my questions and like it was like you were just annoying him by being in his presence. Uh, the weirdest day. He did that to me all the time. But yes, that exactly. He's very annoyed about me being in his presence. And honest to God, I don't want to get on a rant. I don't want to say something. All no, go ahead. But that's part of the problem. He gets so chappy after games and dismisses you. And honestly, you know the reason, you know, everyone asks, like, what did you ever do to the guy? Like, I think I just questioned him. And I'm not saying I was the only one to do that. Jake, like, Ole Miss has good beat reporters that cover baseball. But Chase has been around long enough, and I started to learn this the last two years. It's the way you ask the question that you have to be – it becomes an art with Mike Bianco, which is annoying and should not be the way things are. But that's a rant for another day. It's like he's trying to find an angle in your question or an ulterior motive before you're asking it. And so it's the way you ask the question. So, yes, I do ask tough questions. But honest to God, he picks who he wants it to come from and who he doesn't. And that's what? part of the problem. Like, and how, how it's not come back to bite him yet when he's, you know, kind of been on the hot seat is beyond me. Because someone should write if, – if, if, you know, if this gets bad over the next two years, how has there not been a column just decapitating him? There was close to being one two years ago. Fair enough. But, like, I, he brings up an interesting point. So, I would say, to answer your question, S. Bilbo, it depends on the day. Because there's also some losses where, you know, they lose in a really excruciating way, and you think he's just going to be grumpy as shit, and he's actually just kind of, yeah, whatever. So, it's hard to read. But on the days where he's mad and difficult to deal with, it's the way you ask a question because he tries to find an ulterior motive in what you're asking before he, the question has even come out of your mouth. And he, That's a uh... – and he loves baseball. Is that fair, though? You've been out there enough. Sure. Um, they He would have been asked today if they had a post-game meeting why he didn't just go to Broadway. That that would have been – like, you, you, he asked if you can ask him tough questions, and you, you kind of went into that. I can tell you they would have asked him, why didn't you just go to Broadway in the sixth? They wouldn't be doing their job if they did. And Chase is good at his job. You know, yeah. Chase is good at his job. Nick is good at his job. It's not a media thing. But, man, you talk – like, again, they do it anyway, but I, I can speak probably as well as anyone. When you do it, you have to do it a certain way because, man, is he a pain in the ass to deal with. You almost got me on a full-on rant. How do you, how do you ask – let's do this. How do you ask him why do you keep going to Josh Mallett's? No, how I'll, do you ask him that I, question? I like this exercise. So, okay, one, that, the, one, the one you just pointed out was tougher. But I'll take you through it. So I'm sitting there thinking, and I, I usually think about this on the walk down back in the day where we used to do this in person. I'm sitting there thinking I would ask it about the Broadway part is, was there a benchmark that you wanted to get to before bringing Broadway into the game? Which is asking why did you not go straight to him without making it sound like you're second-guessing him? He answered what I'm getting to at? his credit. To his credit, he said he wanted to get to the seven. But he okay. To, but he no, okay. Another part of this is he also did that on radio. And when other people are listening in on the interview, he's as chipper as can be. You should see the way his demeanor changed when he gets off radio before he comes to us. He, that's neither here <laughs> nor there. So, but when other people are listening, he answers the question different, and it's why he probably gave a good answer today. But uh, that's what the way I would ask it in terms of. Uh, you brought up the mallets part. That's a tough one. So I would probably – honestly, there's no way to directly ask that. You would have to ask if there's a common thread in Josh Mallett's struggles the last couple of times out. Because what you're doing is pointing out that, you know, he's pretty much sucked in every SEC appearance he's had. Not pretty much, but without saying it. And then hopefully you get an answer about why he keeps going to him. 
But stuff like that, there's no direct way to ask him because he just will shut down or he'll yell at you. No offense. And, and, and so some of that, I would be like, if I'm Mike, and I would struggle a little bit with this, I don't want you attacking my kid. I would rather you ask me, why do I keep doing this instead of asking about his struggles, if that makes sense. Like, I don't want something bad getting written about my kid. I'd rather you just write something mean about me. Yeah, that's fair, but I just don't think he looks at it that way. But on the other hand, to kind of underscoring your point, Hayden Dunhurst's debut, I don't know if you remember this. He yeah, had a, you, got, you got scolded. Yeah, but, he, but I was going to write this. I had a story written about how Ole Miss, gosh damn, their next catch just keeps coming. These catchers are impressive. But Ole Miss lost that opener to Louisville, and he had a yeah. pass ball that I don't think was his fault, which I didn't even – I was about to say an F word. I didn't even remember. I asked him that to get a – a, a throwaway, yes, he's a really talented kid, and he showed that today because he threw a couple guys out and had a good day. Maybe he didn't have a good day at the plate. I don't remember. I just think I, he had a couple good blocks. And so I asked what you thought of Dunhurst defensively, and he jumped down my throat because he thought I was going to go, after one game in February, do a hatchet job on the catcher with a pop time better than most major in the half the major leagues. That's, what, that's his mindset, if you want to get in his frame of mind. So I asked him that because – I don't know. It just doesn't make any rational sense. What would I gain out of doing a hatchet job after one game on Hayden Dunhurst? But that's directly where he goes to when I ask that question, which is the entire problem communicating with him. Rant over. All right. Let's 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 move on because I, I don't want to talk about Mike anymore. Me neither. I, that, he's taken too he much. pissed me off enough today. Realistically, give me one reason I shouldn't hit the panic button because I'm close. Because they're fine. Like, you're nine and six. If you, listen, 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 listen. Let me, let me do this. If you would have offered me nine and six with three wins in Dallas before the year, I'd have taken it. Now, look, does losing Elko change that perspective? Sure, a little bit. But this team needs to go six and three over their next three, and I think they win all three series, and they're going to be a national seed. There's no reason to panic yet. You want to panic? Let them lose. Let them lose two next weekend. Then we can panic. That's a good way to put it. The next question we got, we already covered the McDaniel part of we asked this question, but here's an interesting one. After getting shelled Friday, how long will it be till Diamond gets another SEC appearance? Uh, I don't think he got shelled, and it better be next weekend because they just need it. Yeah. Um, I went back and watched. So, I, I'll, I'll give you my perspective. Um, I was in the stadium, and then Diamond gives up, I think, the run. It got to 4-2, to two, and I said, I'm done. I'm out. They're not winning this game. They're not going to hit Landon Sim. So, I walk out of the stadium. I went back and watched – he wasn't as awful as his numbers made him look. Does that make sense? Like, he was – they hit the ball. Some of it was tough luck. Sure. Um, some of it was missing over the plate. Sure. I don't think he was as bad as he as his numbers looked on Friday. That being said, he was as bad as his numbers looked on last Sunday against Arkansas. So, like, I, I think that – you, I get in trouble sometimes because I'm a big statistics guy when I just look at statistics. I have a hard time saying Derek Diamond didn't pitch or D- Derek Diamond pitched really badly on Friday. I just think he had some crappy results. I agree. I, I mean, just from the eye test, I was watching him while eating a burger at a barbecue joint. Um, I, just from the eye test, I didn't think he was that bad. Like I said, you know, he just didn't get great results, but I didn't think he was that bad, but, you know, everyone, you know, it came directly after the, the demotion and people were tired of seeing him on Sundays. And then, you know, you have the embarrassing moment of 
you know, bench. I mean, you talk about him botching the pop-up. Uh, you know, back in the schoolyard, we used to see you call this schoolyard bullshit where we would go tabletop dudes, where a guy stands behind a dude or kneels down on the ground and then someone shoves him over him. You know what I'm talking about? Bench no, game's I, one of those. Um, well, he's the pitcher. He's got to get out of the way. No, no, I know. I'm not blaming anyone, but, like, you know, you botched the pop-up. Well, like, I, yeah. I want to say one thing real quick. Um, credit to Justin Bench. He he was hurt this weekend. And he put his ass off. He did, man. He's such a good – I said that to someone I was watching the game with yesterday when he ripped the double or something. I was like, that guy's not even close to 100% and is still raking. He's – and, I mean, look at what's happened in center field since. And that's not an indictment on McCants. They're asking him to do something unfair. But we – Ole Miss fans underappreciated just how, how good of a center field he played just by being asked to kind of on a whim. Yeah. Yeah, um, played his tail off. So, anyway, the last note on Diamond, I, I think they need to use him. I don't think he was that bad. I'd like to see him in a more lower – not lower leverage, but, like, can Ole Miss get up, like, four or five, one somewhere, lose – like, ditch the starter and just see if he can give you two innings? Well, here's what they need. They need they need to, like, on Sunday, next Sunday, Broadway have been burned. Like, Burton come out after five, and the Ole Miss be up five to one, like you are saying, and let's let Diamond finish it and win the game six to two or something. Yeah, because I don't think Friday was a good I- indicator of what you might get out of him out of the bullpen. That was a tough, tough, tough situation. I mean, when's the last time he came out of a bullpen? Probably never, right, in his life. Yeah, yeah, uh, never. So, unless it was like an all-star game or something. Last question we had was – actually, that's another Mallets question. Sorry, we covered that. And then Michael, Michael Clark asked if he would like to – if we could let everyone know that that game made him very sad. So, we got that out there. Same, same. Um, all right, that's all the questions. We've been here a while. I'll let you get out of here just a second, but do you want to take a quick look around the league? Uh, yeah, I uh, figured out my points the uh, while I was getting pissed off. So you figured out mine because you just saved me half the work. No, I I didn't figure out yours because uh, I didn't I couldn't remember what you what you did. I'm doing it on the newsletter, but uh, let's see, Georgia Georgia one two, yeah, Vandy one two. Not surprising, but that what that kid yesterday did for Tennessee was pretty impressive. Most special. Florida won three. Arkansas won two. Alabama won two. And I am missing, obviously, Mississippi State takes two. I am missing one. Oh, South Carolina took two. Who did South Carolina have? At LSU. To me, that's mission accomplished. They took two. We talked about that. We took two, they took two against a bad team. Like, you know, that's kind of what they needed. They're 10 and 5 and in good shape. Um, you know, even though LSU lost, excuse me, Tennessee lost two or three to Vanderbilt, um, I know we already thought so, but I was actually kind of impressed with them. I thought, I mean, they're, they're good. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. They are really good. Um, so the standings now Ole Miss 9 and 6 in third place, State 10 and 5, second place in the West. All, Arkansas leads at 11 and 4. Ole Miss two games back and doesn't have the tiebreaker. Alabama takes. That has to be two – yeah, took two or three from uh, Auburn. Probably missed an opportunity to sweep there, but whatever. Um, I think Alabama's a regional team. Boy, seeing this kind of lopsided standings, I mean, even the East has more parity. LSU, A&M, 4-11, and and Auburn's 2-13. and Yeah, not great. Not great. That's why Ole Miss needs to – frankly, Ole Miss needs to sweep one of LSU and A&M, and I think they can. I think they can as well. Um, Missouri sucks four and eleven. Uh, that looks a little bit better than four and eight. Like four and eight was probably even a little deceiving for them. You know, Georgia hanging around five hundred. Kentucky still living off their hot start, but I think you figured them out. What did Florida? Yeah, Florida swept. They're nine and six. 
Um, you know, that's a team that could figure it out and kind of start playing better baseball if you're looking for a team to make a surge. Gun to your head, who finishes higher, Florida or South Carolina? South Carolina has one game edge right now. Let's see. I, I kind of want to look at something real quick. Uh, South Carolina or Florida, you said? Yeah, who I'm going, I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going Florida just because they're more talented. I think so, too. Um, but credit to that guy, South Carolina kind of getting it turned around. They've, uh, sure. they've been pretty good. I think that'll just about do it. Um, we went around the league. I didn't really have I – mean, there's nothing else that happened in the sports world this weekend. It's all baseball. It's a Sunday show. always is. Um, appreciate the time, as always, dude. That'll probably do it for us on the pod. If you haven't yet, go subscribe to the newsletter. Um, I'll have a lot of these thoughts and some more stuff uh, for you all throughout the week. RippyWrites.substack.com. All you guys do, put your email in. You get free meat deals, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Um, and then Colin will be back at it with me on Friday. No, excuse me, it'll be Wait. Wednesday because it's Thursday, Saturday series. Uh, so we'll do that on. We Wednesday. should, uh, you know, what we should do. We should like. Have you ever have you ever gotten on House Party? Like, you know what that is? Like a website? Uh, no. What is that? You can you can like watch stuff together and broadcast it. I'm not I'm not going to be at Swayze on Thursday. We should watch the game on Thursday and broadcast it. I'm not going to be at Swayze either, but I am open to this idea. We will have to hash that out uh, after. That's actually not a bad idea at all. Should we do a preview or just react to the first game? What do you think? No, that could uh, be – I like that. Let's do that Thursday instead. Okay. We'll have to figure it out. But we can do that. So you just got a glimpse into the Rippy Wrights production meeting. Pretty high-level stuff we have going on over here at this operation. But uh, I appreciate everyone listening. Thanks for the time, as always, dude. I appreciate it. Always enjoy talking ball. We'll be back at it with you later this week. I'll probably try to sneak in a podcast in between. I have a couple ideas. I'll, I'm going to get the uh, NASCAR gambling guy to explain to me NASCAR and NASCAR wagering like I'm four. So you'll have okay. that to look forward to on Tuesday or Wednesday. But I uh, hope that everyone has a safe and happy weekend. And thanks for joining us. Uh, take it easy, man. I appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. That's our show. I appreciate everyone joining. I hope you enjoyed the chat with Colin as I do each and every Sunday. We'll be back this week. Colin and I, throughout, as you heard in that recording, we kind of had a live brainstorming session there. Colin and I may be recording live during the LSU series on Thursday night. Got to work out the details there. So be looking for that if there's any interest at all. If you want to watch me drink half of a six-pack and uh, have some dumb takes on baseball. So be sure to be on the lookout for that on social media. I'll update y'all, I'm sure, later in the week on that if possible. We will also be back Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't decide how that's going to work. Probably a Wednesday show with the NASCAR guy from Skybox Sports Picks. He's going to explain uh, handicapping NASCAR and the ins and outs of the sport like I'm four years old, and I'm sure I'm going to ask dumb questions. But I'm fascinated by it. I think it's going to be a really good conversation um, it's always fun learning about something you don't know much about. And when I say I don't know a thing about NASCAR other than they have four wheels and an engine, I don't know a thing. So I'm looking forward to learning about it. I'm looking forward to uh, kind of giving you a look at what Skybox uh, kind of looks at when they handicap things. I'm really pumped about it. So check that out later this week. Everybody have a safe and happy start to their week. And we will be back at it on Wednesday.